0: Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? And welcome to the eighth episode of the Sad CDH podcast, financial literacy and CDH. My name is Kian, better known as Varless, and today I will be your host. Join, joining me as always is my co-host, Adam, better known as Poppyphobia.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: Kevin, better known as Tashu. Howdy. And Sam, better known as Knight. Well, solid, dude. Well, solid, dude. <laughs> Today's topic is all about financial literacy in regards to CDH, how we spend our money on the format and how we stop ourselves from going broke in this expensive-ass hobby. Since the release of Double Masters, we thought that this would be a good topic to bring up, since card prices and financial complications are on everybody's mind. Before we get started today, I think, Adam, you have a few triggers to resolve in our upkeep.
1: Yeah, so um, first of all, we're going to shout out all of our high tier patrons. Thank you to Usable Object, Cold Ramen, and GeoJustin, respectively. It's so thanks to people like you that we can continue to do this show. Um, if you would like to become a patron and get the special perks that it provides, you can find our Patreon link in the description below. In upcoming tournaments, I, Adam, will be attending Punt City, August 27th and 29th, in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Along with that, some of the Sadnaw's team will also be attending November November 18th and 20th, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So grab your tickets if you want a chance to compete with us, IRL, and see how bad we really are. Uh, in other news, we are starting to collaborate with other MTG content channels. You can catch me, Phobia, on Mental Misplay's stream Tuesday, July 19th. Or you can see me every weekend getting my ass kicked in the MLC. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter to get more news and updates on our future collaborations. The link will be in the description for that. Speaking of content, we are now available on all major podcast platforms. YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We are also working on bringing some collaborations to the podcast in the future, along with some gameplay content soon. If any content creators are listening and would like to join us for an episode in the future, please reach out to us through Twitter or Discord. And finally, before we start on this episode's main topic, we have a little disclosure beforehand. We are not financial advisors, and everything we discuss in this episode should be taken with a grain of salt. We are no one special, and this is just the thoughts and opinions of four heavily enfranchised CEDH players. So please, no comments on how our advice lost you a bunch of money, because we blame each other en- enough for that already. So that being said, let's get started. Financial literacy is an important discussion in not only CDH, but in all MTG formats. This hobby is expensive, especially when you're dealing with reserveless staples, pieces of power, and cards that just generally cost too damn much. So, how do we balance all of these high costs, and how do we manage to not be homeless with nothing but a stack of bulk magic cards to use as kindling to keep us warm? <laughs> Hopefully, in today's episode, you'll get some answers to those questions and even more. So, to get us started, I think I'm going to pass it over to one of our more financially responsible team members, <laughs> uh, Kevin. So, Kevin, what would you like to talk about first? Keck. I think financial <laughs> responsibility is a little dubious there. Um,
2: well, I guess my first topic or question tonight is uh, how does the secondary market affect the game itself? Or, I guess rephrasing it, does the secondary market affect the game? You know, as comp- competitive VDH goes, do prices sway you away from certain decks? Do you believe that uh, a seven thousand dollar time twister? If you if you recently run into one, are you more likely to play it, even though you have a two hour <laughs> argument about how it's a bad card? <laughs> you know, I think all of us can come together and, and you know say, oh no, definitely not. Like I I mean yes, they're expensive, it sucks, but you just proxy just proxy. But I think that there's a problem with that, and that I feel like if we took a poll, the majority of people would actually say, like, oh, I'll proxy, but I always want to own the cards. Everyone always wants to own the cards, right? Yeah. So I think some decks genuinely are just off the table for some people. Like, some people say, like, I can't own a Time Twister. The deck can't run without a Time Twister. I'm not going to play the deck. It's just I won't even try it, right? And so I know Sam may have a different opinion on this, but I think that the secondary market does 100% affect the game and the choices that people make because they know that some barriers are unsurmountable I think that the prices that we have to deal with is an unfortunate reality of what we're working with and you know yes there's quick easy answers just go buy a Toshiba right like that's 30 bucks go to (laughs) to friggin target and you're done but there's a lack of satisfaction with that right and I was curious what are your guys opinions because I'd like to hear uh, you know everyone else's point on the topic
1: well, he called you out, Sam. Yeah. I want you to go I mean, first. Yeah, I he get it in. <laughs> Go so at I, him.
2: I, I definitely
3: agree that the secondary market affects the game in the sense that, like, the secondary market is kind of the key holder, the gatekeeper for certain strategies, certain cards that are pretty much auto-includes in certain lists. It's almost like we had, like, a whole episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. yeah. Who but has the I, keys, Sam? I. You know what? T-C-G you player. know what? Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I got the keys key, and maybe I have all the cards, Right. I'm, I'm i'm actually rudy in real life uh so <laughs> i actually real think <laughs> that the game affects the secondary market uh more than the secondary market affects the game so and and i say that because i mean if you look at content creators or people that are playing in gps or playing at marchesa in our in our format um the lists that they're playing are going to have a direct and almost immediate effect on the secondary market pricing for
2: cards all the time. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, which in turn becomes a a, a toxic relationship where you're like, oh, this card's too expensive, I can't play it. And so then people might not play the card, and then it goes down in price, and then someone else plays the deck, and then it spikes up in price, and you get this awful combination of the two. 100%, I think both things happen, but I think that the greater effect
3: is... That the game and the gameplay that happens affects the secondary market more than the market affects the game because like especially in CDH people are gonna m- most stores most people like they want to play your brain not your wallet if you don't have a time twister proxy it you know most people don't care now if you're in a sanctioned event you're at command Fest or you're playing f for prize support that might be a little bit different of a story some stores are cool with it I know ours is which is pretty nice um, but I, I generally generally think that it's actually the reverse of what you suggested, but that's okay. Both exist, definitely. Well,
1: yeah, I think in like regards, to like both exist. I think like obviously the game affects the secondary market, right? If a card's playable, it's going to affect the price, right? Yep. But the problem is is that there's not, I mean, when you think about it when a scent is printed, right? Like hundreds of thousands of copies of a card are printed, there's not hundreds of thousands of people playing that same deck, right? there's market manipulation that exists and if a card's playable it gets targeted and people buy out those cards and try to manipulate the price or hold on to them to get a sick deal and make a bunch of money off of these cards so like the game definitely has it's it's like say on what a card is worth but so do all these other people that have their hands in that unsanctioned you know world of finances and i think like that's kind of like one topic that we're going to talk about today is like the secondary market kind of does price people out of the game oh um, yeah especially 100
2: percent.
0: yeah especially for our format sp- like there's like uh legacy
3: staples fucking like vintage, staples vintage staples in yeah, our format like dual
0: lands mana crypt you can play all the busted cards but how much are the busted cards worth yeah. like yeah like pretty expensive and, and to
3: gain you oftentimes to only gain you marginal like win rate advantages. increases per card yeah. for the amount of money you have to invest some of it's staggering like time twister i personally think time twister unless, you're playing, unless you're playing opus thief it's a bad card in my opinion you, you're getting rid of graveyards that you can utilize and in. in cdh those are I mean important strategies. Boomer that's magic.
1: Its, that's its own topic in itself, right? Like, For sure. Well, how we yeah. evaluate cards <laughs> yeah, like quality? Easter. But something that we can attest to is something like a mox diamond, right? A mox diamond is a piece of fast mana, fast ramp, but it's six hundred fifty dollars to get your hands on one, right? How much does it actually increase your win percentage to have a mox diamond? Not a whole lot, right? Like fast mana helps, but like do you really need it? Not necessarily. But how do you balance that?
2: Like are you gonna miss it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Unless you course. only got
1: one land in your hand, then like, what's the point of even having that Mox
3: Diamond? Mox Diamond, Diamond yeah. better
2: than on most lands. But I, Facts. It, it, it
1: does <laughs> it does like have its implications, right? And when you're spending money on the game, you have to be aware of all that stuff. And things like, like how many people are out there that own a Mox Diamond that don't play it in a deck? They own it right. because they're specking, right? Or they own it because they're trying to make money on a card. Or they're so, collectors. Yeah, or they're collectors. And it's like how... How how do you combat that when you're trying to keep a format alive? You know what I mean? Like that's that's a really tough yeah. kind of conversation to have. Um, and I think that that's that's what Kevin's kind of alluding to here with like, how does the secondary market affect the game? I think it affects it in a huge way, dude. A 100%. deck is a deck is twelve thousand dollars. That's not just because these cards are good. It's because there's a whole market dedicated to how much these things cost. You know what I mean? um and obviously like foils and everything else manipulate price and can change depending on the cards that you're playing but like some of the best cards in the format are hundred dollars plus and that's just kind of crazy
3: yeah no i completely agree kian uh so going kind of back to the topic do you have any opinion on how the secondary market affects the game or we pretty much covered all for you
0: um i've,
2: I've got two points of kian doesn't
0: um, I pretty much agree with Kevin on this. I think the secondary market definitely affects how the game is played itself. Because I know we covered our last our last episode episode was gatekeeping, and I think we kind of touched on that a little bit. But this is a bit more in in depth of like financial why like cards are set at certain prices, which we we'll, we will be covering later in the episode. Um, ha- like having a what's the word I'm looking for? Like buy buy in rate. Like you could be playing like a three color deck, but you still like you still need to be playing like the fast mana you alluded to and then like dual lands. And with a player just getting in the format and they want to be playing like the best the best deck, they're like, Okay, um, I can't really buy these cards and they're not gonna go down because investors and like it
1: Here's a good example, right? When a new player joins the format, what are most likely the decks that they're gonna play?
3: The best ones. No,
1: monocolor, mono-color decks oh, well, because yeah, it's what fair. they can afford. dual or dual-color. Low-color decks are what people play when they first get into the format because it's what's available to them. Because a lot of stores that don't have proxy rules or don't allow them, you got to play what you can afford. You concessions. Right? So, yeah, yeah. So, that's why you see, like, some of the most popular decks for beginners, and we talked about this in our very first podcast episode, are decks like Godo or decks like, you know— um, you see a lot of Niv Mizzet, a two-color deck, right? Bro Storm. Yeah, Bro Storm, yeah, yeah, bro Storm green deck. Yeah, yeah. all a these. A lot of decks, decks that don't have like a buy-in rate. Yeah, and they might have some cards that are ridiculously expensive, like a Cradle, but they just say, "Well, I can skip the Cradle for now." and i'll just play with what i can afford right yep. and or there's alternatives to cradle like that um enchantment land that Growing flips and then uh, yes yeah. and like you can just play that in its place it's not as good but it'll work right there's alternatives to that kind of stuff but people will specifically not play certain decks or certain cards because of its price and i think yeah. that's an inc- in uh inclination right is that the right word i yes. hope so yep. that um the it's secondary Albert. markets Albert. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the secondary market is affecting the game 100 right?
2: yeah. so so like you know how many fetches you play in a monocolored deck? Four. Mm-hmm. Two-color deck? Seven. Three-color? Nine. That sucks. You ha- you only cannot buy one fetch. That's not even a reserve list card, and them bastards are so expensive. 30
3: to yeah. $40 a piece, you, you know? know? I mean, fuck And that's me. if they were reprinted recently, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah, we will 20... also touch base on today. <laughs> in
2: 2017, Scalding Tarns were oh like $100. $100. $100? $100? Dude, I remember that. Huh? You know how many Shit sold- Scalding Tarns I sold? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have Scalding
3: Tarns for like two years. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so, Sam, you brought up an interesting word. Uh, and that word is sanctioned. And I think this is the biggest impact that the secondary market has on CDH. And I think it is the the donkey in the road holding us back. EDH is super... I've
1: never, I've never heard that.
2: Word. A stubborn mule, a donkey sitting... <laughs> okay, the stubborn road? mule, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Donkey, They're the same goddamn animal. He went free on us. Commander is... I believe the most popular format I don't know if Standard has swung it back but I ed- think Commander is. it's yeah. Commander EDH. and I
1: think Pioneer is going to come up on its tail soon yeah. yes
2: but as of now EDH is like the premier format mm-hmm. you know what Watsi would love to do run tournaments you know what they're not likely to do run I mean, tournaments, tournaments. <laughs> because you can't say you know how many vintage tournaments get run zero unless
1: they're on moto
3: well yeah <laughs> but
2: that's also a fake game most vintage like,
3: games are played on yachts and stuff. Yeah.
2: Like, you, we can't realistically expect a true sanctioned Watsy competitive EDH because of some of these prices and the reserve list making them legitimately unviable to actually really chase. You can't expect 700 people to show up all with a full set of duels and diamonds and everything. It's just not going to happen. So I think... That's the biggest point where it holds us back.
1: Not until Watsi releases CEDH Masters Do that reprints yeah. all the list cards. Send it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a spec right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that we kind of like. There's a general consensus that I think the, the secondary market does affect the game. Yeah. Um. I think the how you define how it affects it can be a little.
0: Muddled, you know. Yeah. Uh, of and then, course. And then you have some close, like a closing point you want to add to this. Yeah, basically the
2: the last one is that I think certain cards, like we talked about, Time Twister is a big one, Rocks Diamond's a big one, right? Like, but those those get played in like a lot of decks. Yep. I own a Bazaar and a Chains of Mephistopheles. How <laughs> you know, many fucking decks run those? Like two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> so like it sucks because if you want to play a specific deck and you have to hit these big heavy hitters, right? Are you really going to spend five thousand dollars on a Bazaar that gets played in one deck? or are you going to buy a full play set of duels and play Kenrith and everything else, right? I thought you guys said
3: Kevin was the more financially responsible. Oh, that was talking about a $5,000 card he
2: has plays in one deck. I haggled someplace in Arkansas in 2016 for $400. Financial genius. (laughs) That
0: that statement was a cap.
1: (laughs) Um, So uh, moving on from that topic, uh, Sam, what would you like to discuss regarding financial literacy Um, in CDH? So, I mean, I I like talking about, uh,
3: I like talking a lot about the topic that Kevin uh, just brought up, but I would like to move on to uh, talking about how does one evaluate singles, say new singles in a new set or singles that become better because of other cards in a new set. And what do I look for in the market to determine when to buy a card? So I have some cards on my watch list that I, that I call. And uh, I monitor and snipe good deals in MTG, and I would like to share a little bit about that. Um, and I'd like to maybe clue you guys in on how you, as a listener, can do that yourself. Um, so when I'm looking at singles, um, let's say let's say a new single, something that's... Are you wild. on Farmers Only or... <laughs> what? Yeah, like are you on Tinder or, or Grindr? Like what, what are you on? I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> all right. Do Can it. I just get through my stuff, man?
0: <laughs> I, I'm I was generally curious yeah, about where worried. you're finding your singles. I'm I'm. Am... <laughs> okay all right so when i'm He's
3: evaluating
1: and he can't give that information live when i'm evaluating fanfare, a single to this.
3: <laughs> when i'm evaluating a single that comes onto the market before i decide if i'm going to swipe right or left yeah <laughs> i like to take a look at all right what formats is this card going to impact so if you have um so what 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 brings value to a card for me is the ability to, like, one-for-one. One. Let's say the card is an answer. What does it cost for a one-for-one? One? Can I milk a one-for-two out of it or an o for 2 For example, uh, one of the cards I looked at and spec on back in the day was uh, Veil of Summer. And that card, yeah, that card, and no one knew it at first that that card is absolutely insane. There's a spider trying to land on me right now, Adam. <laughs> what kind of show are we putting? I, on this? I, I wasn't gonna trying say to anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at Veil of Summer, and I see that it is one green to stop a Force of Will in Legacy. Yep. And Force of Will is going to be two cards from your opponent's hand, and it's your Veil of Summer is also a cantrip.
0: It drops. So like that
3: right there is just money, 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 right? Yep. Like that card should be expensive, but they were a dollar, right? So I bought like a billion of them. I'm not saying do this, just. Look at cards yeah, and think about the value that they bring to an actual game. If it's very, very efficient, it's probably a good card. Mm-hmm. And definitely something
2: that's worth looking at. Yeah, I remember Veil. Vale. I mean, I, I was, like, gone out of Magic for that very short period that Veil vale came out. I came back and I was like, what? They power crept? Auto uh, Veil? Vale. What happened? <laughs> out it, turns out,
3: it turns out it's good in, like, every format ever, every basically. Deck. yeah. Like, yeah. Even in, especially in CDH, it's one of the best cards in green, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they power-crypt Autumn's Veil. That's funny.
3: Because, <laughs> I guess, dude, Frog
2: used to run Autumn's Veil, and I was like, who's Spacey Tech? And then Veil Summer came out, and I was like, bro, can I get Winter's Veil next? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, what other, what other strategies do you utilize, though? Like, not just, like, playability, right? But, like, do you, like, look at when something gets, like, reprinted, or when something's pushed in a set, or if, like... Market trends. Not, not market trends, or even if, like, do you try to assume what's going to be reprinted in a set, right? So, like, an example. Oh, yeah, f- absolutely,
3: 100%. So, I do that, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into when I'm talking about, like, sniping good deals in Magic. So, if you look at, like, market trends for staples, I've got, like, this list of uh, cards that I've been checking because of Double Masters coming out. Um, some of those cards are, like, the pretty neutral cards that you're going to see in virtually every cdh like mana crypt ancient tomb mana vault lotus petal tutors etc etc
4: mm-hmm.
3: um so when you watch what happens to the price of those cards they always creep up over time because there's it, always a demand for the cards right people are building they're new played decks. In everything exactly they're played in every single list and then you reach the point in time where wizards is going to print a master's set which is a great opportunity for those cards to see your reprint When they do not, you have you have some specking. Adam, quit being weird. You have some specking that you can do because you know the card's going to go up. Like there's there's almost no scenario where that card that was already creeping up stops going up when it doesn't get reprinted. So that that's another thing that I kind of look at and watch when I'm trying to snipe good deals. So I have an example here: Ancient Tomb around June sixth so right before right after the leaks came out for double masters and right before spoilers started uh, the card was like 65 66 dollars market price on tcg and that was june 6 so right before spoiler season then the card stopped being sold completely people stopped buying it people were still posting them but because no one was buying them waiting to see what was going to happen with the reprints the card value dropped in a week like 10 dollars and then when the spoilers were finished around like that was the 16th right i think like or no that was, half, when, it half, that was half, when it half, that's week, when so it officially yeah. started yeah. <laughs> so once once the spoilers were done the card instantly started creeping back up so it dropped like 10 12 bucks and then it kept creeping back up and that's a great opportunity to snag that card mm-hmm. is right at that right at the bottom there and then if you're looking you know, you're looking at picking up that card and it does get reprinted. Well, then you just wait until things bottom out a couple weeks after the set comes out. People are going to be open, you know, stores are going to open packs and post them online. And that's another
1: great opportunity to take advantage of. I like um, when we kind of go through like some of our conspiracies that we have whenever we talk about certain topics. And regarding this one, a conspiracy that I have is okay. that I think that someone out there, like a lot of people out there, know a lot more about new sets before they come out than we ever will something that i will refer to about this is something like a card that i was keeping an eye on was mana crypt because in master sets these cards get printed a lot right and they'll get printed in like ultimate masters and then double masters one and then you'll see it in modern masters right like some of these cards will get printed a lot and with this set i was like oh i wonder if they're going to reprint mana crypt because it's at one of its all-time highs it was at 175 dollars a month before the set came out and i was watching it and i was watching it and you know we there's no spoilers for the set nothing's come out yet and this card is still creeping up every single day where cards like dockside are going down every single day as we get closer to this set and I'm look, thinking about it, looking at it, going, like, why would this card keep getting more expensive when they're about to announce a Master's set and about to go through spoilers, but other cards are getting lower? And I'm looking at this, and, and I'm trying to think, like, when do I want to pick up this card? And you know what I said to myself? I go, if this card isn't dropping right now, there's a reason for it. And I went and I got a Judge Promo Mana Crypt because I was like, I better buy it now before this card gets more expensive. And then look what happens. They reprint okay, double Masters, and there's no Mana Crypt. Yeah. And now the card's up to 180 and climbing to 200 again. So I was like, I'm going to pick it up now, even though it's high, because some something out there knows that it's not getting printed again. It'll get it, higher. Because it's just going to keep going higher. Yeah. So like, that's my conspiracy, is I think that a lot of these sellers out here, especially like guys that are doing big online sales, must know something about these sets, because they the card prices- <laughs> I mean, Dockside Extortionist was down to $40 that's before sorry. they did any spoilers for Double Masters. Yeah. Like. Like it was at almost eighty dollars at one. Yeah, seventy six. Yeah, so like somebody knows that these cards are moving, and they're well aware of that. Yeah,
3: but you can also speculate on that. So when you think about like the number of times a card is printed, that heavily weighs on what's going to happen with the price, when it does, and when it doesn't get reprinted.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of like an example too of like how I do something similar to what you do, right? Where I watch a specific card, and I really like collecting Judge promos because to me a judge promo is almost equivalent to like a reserve list card because it's special art for a special occasion and they don't normally reprint it. And if they do reprint it, they print it with a different art, right? Like if you look at like the Vampiric Tutor judge promos, there's two of them, right? One of them is an old border, one of them is a new border, and they're completely different. So I like to really buy those. And with like Mana Crypt, I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to spend the money. It might get reprinted. It might drop, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you know what? I don't think it is. I don't think it's going to happen. Something's telling me no, and I went
0: and bought it anyways. And so far, it's been
1: a good decision, but yeah. it
0: could be a bad one down the road. Yeah. You and your fancy cards, man. Fancy cards. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on thoughts on speculations? I, I know you're a big uh, MTG subreddit finance finance boy and you are the most financially responsible that's what the, I intro, said, yeah, the uh, intro, intro said yeah i'm the most
2: successful person sorry i'm checking for you <laughs> guys cradles to see whether or not i made a mistake uh, the, answer is, <laughs> <laughs> the answer is um see? small mistake <laughs> i could have waited a month or so um so i think my answer for this oh god it, it it's really nuanced man i i don't have like a single like how do i evaluate singles lord they're all different you know like if i'm buying dual lands Reserve list cards are very different than cards that are modern playable, like your ledger shredders are like, hell, I was thinking about, uh, you know, holding off on all the cons fetches because I was I was certain they were going to be in friggin double masters 2022. I fucking missed the mark. You know? And sometimes you end up estimating wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like, for uh, for reprint things, though, We told you they wouldn't be, and you I, still thought they would. Whoa, whoa. I, I <laughs> was hopeful that they would. <laughs> Same. God. I was like... like it's like 50 bucks right I know, now. man. It's been seven years. Anywho, bitching aside. There's another uh, Modern Horizons coming so out. So, <laughs> for reprintable cards, I think that it's good to look at two years back, or like a... Yeah, two to three is 18 where I months back yep, because two to three. Watsy has to be slow right like their process is very particular and they have to go through all these steps to get cards approved and I don't know exactly how it works but it's we've been told it's roughly 18 to 24 month turnaround time so look at when a card spikes bad I mean like just rocket ship shit look at those cards and then say okay it's been about 18 months it's been 24 months what should i expect like what's the next big set that i can expect this in Mm -hmm. go look at when dockside was printed go look at the date three weeks ago you'll go oh cool that makes a little bit of sense i probably should have put some brain power on that one uh which is why the cons fetch is below my mind (laughs) anywho (laughs) uh, if you're working with reserve list cards however it's a different ball it's a different ball game but my general answer is that i've noticed reserve list cards do a weird sort of zigzag where they'll kind of shoot up pretty fast over a short period, like a month or so, and then they'll very slowly trail down over several months or sometimes several years, and then they'll have a kind of sharp incline later when they get more interest. So if you want to buy a reserve list card, my answer is, just like investing, just just get it, right? But if you really want a penny pinch, play the game. Wait. Chill. I
1: think when it comes to reserve list cards, there's not really a best time to buy correct like reserveless cards are kind of like the stock market there's mm-hmm. no better time to invest than right now right correct. so like if you have the money to afford the card i would just get it because you're gonna you, you're gonna regret that just the only yeah, time don't ever, live in fomo yeah do not live in FOMO. the correct. only time i've you ever seen like that be a bad decision is when they print a just generically better version so like something like yawgmoth's will right that was like plus two hundred dollars and then they print underworld, underworld Reach, Reach, which is just infinitely better than that card like yeah that card's gonna go down now because it's losing playability but like they're not gonna reprint anything better than the dual lands you know what i mean yep. there's only one wheel and that wheel will always be around they're not gonna print something better than that gaia's cradle is as broken as it can get they're not gonna print something better than that so if you have the money to afford it there's no better time than now to get it because uh, you're gonna yeah you're you're gonna regret it at some point and you're gonna love it at another point because you may yeah. you're up a bunch of money then you're down then you're up then you're down if you're playing the card it shouldn't really matter that much because at least you're getting the enjoyment out of it that you want I, well, that, that happened with the choke uh with all the reserve list cards mm-hmm. with the, the choke on the
3: market during covid people were trying to make some quick money the buyouts True. that happened it was all like mtg finance related and like Rudy and a bunch of people, content creators, were talking about it, so it became this hot topic. And before you know it, there's a shortage of them on the market, mm-hmm. and the price just skyrocketed. I mean, I, I watched like my mox diamond literally double in price in like a week.
1: Well, and then now you look at it, and like we hit a portion where the market was flooded because now everybody wants <laughs> yep. to sell them off, right? Yep. Like it, it it it's much like reserve list is much more like its own stock market than it is the secondary market of Magic, right? Like th- those cards ha- hold a different. Yeah, they don't play by the same rules. No, not at all. all. So I think that like it's really hard to tell people like this is how you should invest with reserveless cards. Like, dude, just buy the card when you can afford it and like do your best <laughs> to just play it as much as you can to get your money's worth.
0: And like yeah. and like to that and point And take care of it yeah i'm like
1: hard case it don't shuffle your
3: don't cards. don't shuffle your. you can't, you can't say that cards. to me and kian because we get our signed and yeah, marked l- up and <laughs> alright, alright,
0: altered. literally and- i don't have much to add to this conversation because i'll play damaged fucking cards i don't sleep playable is good to me i don't care i'm gonna buy the card and, I, and i'm gonna enjoy it you guys are like no you're playing with your dual lands that's crazy talk no they are
2: magic cards and cardboard Right, your dual lands used to be coasters. <laughs> hey, hey, don't talk to shit about my own. Honestly, seat. though, I think that's an excellent answer. It's- if you just want to play a card, yeah. fucking sort by heavily played and be like. Oh, uh, give me give me eighty percent of that, and they'll usually give it to you. And most of
0: the time, you're surprised by the quality because it's not too bad. I've bought damaged
1: cards, like uh, like like if you can find a damaged card with an image on TCG Player, yeah. I've saved like two to three hundred dollars on reserve list cards because it'll be damaged and it'll be like a nick in the top right corner or like it'll have the artist signature or on a it. A slight and warping
3: because it got wet. I've and never it's even gotten damaged, I'm, but sleeve. I've playing. never
1: even gotten a warped card. I remember my Mox Diamond, my first one I bought was a foreign portuguese marked as damaged and i got it in the mail and it was near mint and it was literally marked as damaged because the guy was like i couldn't sell the portuguese one and i was like are you kidding me i traded it for an english and then got a foil one like two weeks later like portuguese are gonna be fuming (laughs) well it's just like you can get like that if you want to talk about like evaluating singles like that's something that you can really look at is like look at foreign language look at Like, different play conditions, and and you can get some good deals, especially if there's images out there. Like, you can get way below market price. Also, like, groups, like Facebook groups and stuff like that, that's a really good way to get cards from people that are just trying to offload their big spec. You know, if someone bought 40 copies of a card and they're like, hey, I want to offload all these copies, but I will sell them at $10 below TCG, you can get some really good yeah. deals on some cards that you need, you know, and they'll sell you just one copy. They don't want to yeah. offload the whole thing; right. they just want to make their money and get out.
0: And I think yeah. people have figured out: just go to Facebook groups for There's... like for like high end singles. Well, it's I also think...
1: because
3: like that's also because of, like tax evasion and stuff like that. You don't. That's a different. that's a different, different
1: story, Sam. Yeah. Stop, bro. We, we pay it's our up. taxes <laughs> except for Ristic Study and Mystic Remora.
2: <laughs> you never pay your so, fucking
0: taxes unless Bergy's out. <laughs> I will say,
2: it's. When buying cards, there's different steps I take based on how much I want the card. I think reserve list cards, my general answer is, if you have the money and you're comfortable, just get it. If you really want to be a weasel, you know, go look at previous graphs. Go look at when it recently spiked. Go look at why it's played, where it's played. Do your research. Like, become comfortable intellectually with what you're buying and what you're working with. You can't just jump in and be like, I like this card. Yeah, you can also
3: go on eBay and just watch that's auctions that are happening and you just kind of wait until like the timer runs down sometimes you can just put in an offer it'll bid (laughs) up to that amount for you the the algorithm that they use is pretty pretty nice actually and user-friendly and you can you can end up shaving a
1: hundred dollars off of well you can even on ebay eBay auctions it's really fun because you can set it at whatever you're comfortable spending and say like i will set it at 450 and they will bid for you up until four fifty, yep. and outbid whoever's bidding up to that card. And then eventually, if you get outbid, you lose the card, or you can get it for three fifty because someone kept trying to outbid you. And they're like, you know what? Fuck yep. this guy. I don't
2: care anymore. I was gonna say set set saved searches on eBay if it's a card that you think that isn't gonna be spiking soon. Like I go onto eBay and I'll set searches for stuff for months. And you know, hell, go to go to the Buy It Now with an or an offer and just be like, hey, I'll uh, lowball the hell out of you. And they'll usually say "fuck you." Sometimes they will, you know, come back at ten dollars cheaper, and you, you just pass on those, right? But if you lowball enough people, hell, back in the day when I bought my Bayous before they spiked in twenty sixteen, seventeen, I was like uh, one sixty. What about one fifteen? And the guy was like, "Yeah, okay." No, Like, no argument, no discussion. <laughs>
3: sometimes people just need to get rid of stuff for their own personal reasons. Dude, you know, I look you at can e- definitely catch a deal that way, for sure.
2: Yeah, I look at eBay most recently sold. I mean, I also dabble with some Pokemon stuff, but that's a different topic. But, like, sometimes you catch these sold auctions, man, and it's like, what the fuck? Who got this? This is near mint. It's listed as MP, and the dude got it for half off of MP's price. It's yeah. just like... just be diligent and be willing to put in work if you really want to catch a deal well oh, yeah, and, and like
1: like you guys were alluding to earlier like look at where it's playable i remember ledger shredder right because that's mm-hmm. a really topical and really like recent card i remember when it first came out i'm like yo this is really good and i was like it's good in more than just cdh and like yep. this is standard playable too shit modern Yay! modern Yay! pioneer everything yeah and so, just, like, maybe not I, legacy I, I remember i traded for one like the first week it came out and it was at like eight dollars on release and i traded for one and i was like yo like uh, i really want this card and i gave it to bryce for his deck Mm -hmm. then the next week i had to pay 30 dollars for my own copy (laughs) because of how much it was right but like being aware of if i was aware of that and like i knew that it would be played in more formats but i didn't really think uh, I was like oh this card won't be worth that much you know dude it's still at 20 bucks right now right
4: yeah
1: it's, it's so like being aware of that and trying to trying to make sure that you just know like when to spend and when and and what's a good time you know like right now for double masters a lot of these like borderless foils like right on release they're super super cheap like it's probably a good time to pick them up while everybody's opening them and selling them right away
2: but at the same time and then you can trade
1: are... that up to a
3: reserve list staple maybe in the future trades because dude. oh my god because trades they're are super so good. rare just buy like um, you know the, the limited print run that Double Masters is, and like how cool those those premium foils. I will say the premium foils in Double Masters 2022 are primo. There's no for your Commander Legends warping and crap going on. Like they are super nice.
1: I will say since we're like we're on the topic of singles, and since we don't really have this topic in the episode, I would like to bring up like like trading for cards, because like one of the best ways that I save money on my Purchases, like when I mean, you want to talk about financial literacy, is I just get rid of the cards that I'm not playing anymore and I try to trade up to those cards that I need. I remember like my foil Mox Diamond, I wanted one so bad. I traded like a jeweled Lotus, a regular Mox Diamond, and a Dockside, and it was like a fair deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I got a card that I would never be able to get and I didn't spend a dollar on it. You know what I mean? I had other cards that I didn't need or I had extras of. And I utilize that to get a card that I wanted. And I think that's like the number one way to be financially literate in CDH is like, you know, trying to offload what you're not playing and use what you are playing. Something that I kind of do a lot is I try to own one staple or one copy of every staple and the best copy of it I can own. Whatever copy makes me the happiest.
2: Yeah, I think you should do that in general, right? You
3: like your fancy cards. eh?
1: Well, like yeah, I've got judge promo soul rings and mana (laughs) crypt stuff like that, but those make me the happiest when I play them. So I want to own those copies, and I spent maybe to get like my mox diamond, my judge promo ring, my judge promo tower, my judge promo opal. Like it was all at the same command fest. I paid like a hundred bucks for over two thousand dollars worth of cards you know what i mean like that was a good command fest for the boys yeah so like trading i think is a huge way it's a trading card game yeah and when you and when you're evaluating singles like new singles and stuff like that if you can go to your lgs and trade for them early oh you can get some crazy deals you can on can cards. Right yeah. yeah, like I had a bunch of shocklands. I played slivers. So I had like every shockland ever that was ever made, multiple copies. I was like, I don't need all these. I was trading shocklands, dude. I got like a foil force negation yesterday for like nothing. You know, it's just like that's another way to really capitalize on the systems that are already in place to get the cards that you
2: need. So I wouldn't say this is a good investment strategy, but I did it Uh, on sheer accident. So I used to play a lot of Modern. uh, And I wouldn't say I was indecisive on decks, but I would swap between multiple different versions of Abzan, John to BGX, whatever, you know, like I I played everything you could do that had a B and a G in it, right? Yeah. And so I probably could at at any given time craft like seven different, you know, rock decks plus Affinity. And I didn't do it all the time. But occasionally when I would get sick of a certain, like if I got sick of John right, I had Ren and Sixes. I picked up for 20 bucks before they got to like 100 friggin' dollars. And then I sold them at 80 Yeah, obviously, you know, buy low, sell high, easy, right? But I think the buy low, sell high <coughs> is easier when you have a larger card pool. Like if you yeah. have a lot of stuff, pick up things that might be cheap right now, you know? Maybe look at something that, uh, you know, why is this card out of favor in Legacy or Modern? If you have a larger card pool, what you can do is look and see, oh, this card is, like, three times more than what I paid for it. I'm just going to sell it to Card Kingdom, make a little bit of money, and I want to buy this thing that I think is currently cheap. Like, hell, I was doing that with friggin' Foil of like, I'm trying to get invocations, and uh, I got a whole bunch of the... I love them. You can't read the fucking card. I I literally don't know. Dark Ritual and Entomb look so similar, I don't know which one. Exactly. Garbage. (laughs) Get the shit out of here. Anywho, I got the Zendikar Masterpieces. Zendikar
0: Masterpieces, I love. There is no Zendikar. It's Expeditions, Kev. Yeah.
2: Sorry there, poor boy. I'm going to crack my freaking $800 (laughs) fetch right (laughs) now. At least I can read my cards. I can't read Shembo. Uh, that explains a lot. So, like, moving cards that are currently higher than you bought them at for cards that you want, obviously, big brain play, right? Like, Spencer traded fucking, like, literally 130 cards for a Twister last night, last night. <laughs> which we're still hype on. Yeah. And the cool thing is now all those cards had a crap load of variants. They were going to go up and down and reprints and but doesn't matter now because mm-hmm. he's locked it in with a reserve list card. So he went from a high variability. Not just a reserveless card, I mean, but power a piece of
3: not, power. Exactly. That's a once in a lifetime right, type right. of trade, though. So
2: so he took a high variability and high variance pile of cards and moved it into a very low variance card And and that's really the the main thing, is right, like are you here for money? Are you here for just playing the game? And do you want a little bit of both, right? Like, do you want to like play a card for three years and then sell it off later? Mm-hmm. That's up to you. Figure out what you want out of the game and then Start asking yourself, well, how do I get there? Make a game plan and then you know execute it slowly with what's comfortable.
1: Well, and a good example of that is like something we can harken back to, like recently is uh, Modern Horizons 2. Right? I play tons of CDH decks. Oh, what man. is the most of the mana base made in CDH decks? Fetch lands, fetch lands were like. $20 all of a sudden. Like, I could get an Arid Mesa for 12 bucks, like, at a certain yeah, point in time. Buy up at yeah, those times. Like, I'm going to play Correct. them anyways, so I might as well buy a few copies of them and throw them in the decks that I have. And then when I'm not playing these cards anymore, or I realize, oh, I do have a play set of Arid Mesas, I really only need one or two, and they're up to $40 again, it's not really an investment as much as it was like I just bought at the right time, right? <laughs> so, like, knowing when like, things get reprinted and when is like when do you evaluate when to buy it like that's a good that's a good indication of like now's the time to buy um and it it will help you in the future to make bigger trades and get cards that are newer or nicer or things that you want when you want them so i don't know i think that like you can get a lot of buying the cards you play and buying a few copies of the cards you play if you play them in more than one deck and or if it's a card that's really good in your deck and you're like wow i think this card is a little undervalued right like when um certain cards were like broken from the start i was gonna say like when jessica's will came out but jessica's will was pretty expensive from the start but like even if it's a card that you know is broken and there's a foil version that's almost the same price as the regular version maybe pick that up and later you can trade the foil version trade down back to the regular version and you'll make a few dollars and you can get a better card that you need you know and, and remember your uh,
3: staple reprint timelines which as we kind of touch base on are about two years Fetches, man, and, and that's just, that's just from like experience for you know being trading cards with my friends and buying and selling stuff for like several years like that that seems to be the good time frame is around two years for staples because if they saturate the market with like a bunch of misties let's say they reprint it again all of a sudden they're 17 dollars if they print it again it's not going to go a whole lot lower than $17 so like any time after uh, a fresh reprint of a staple is an excellent opportunity to pick up multiple copies all of those copies are going up over time every single one of them they're not they're not going to reprint these high value chase cards that they want for selling their product mm. it hypes up their product they're not going to reprint these cards into the dirt like, that, that's a Yu-Gi-Oh! error that I don't see Wizards with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, They're pretty regular with their every few years give us some nice spice to, to pick up. So,
2: I, know, so. I also think an interesting point uh, to consider is when you're looking at cards, as Adam said, you know, with cards that you like to play, look at cards other people like to play. Like, right now, MCL is coming out, so I have some opinions of myself on that. But, like, back when I was starting Magic, my friend convinced me. He's like, buy a playset of every fetch of cons fetches. And I was like, bro, that's, like, $200. That's, that's expensive. I, I'm brand new. And he was like, trust me, you won't regret it. I reluctantly hit buy. I still run every single one of those fetches. To this day, I would be kind of fucked if I didn't have four of every one of those fetches.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, I think that was a pretty nice discussion on that topic. Um, For sure. Moving on, we got a spicy one, I think. Kian, do you want to go into this one?
0: I have the clickbait question. <laughs> should Wizards of the Coast abolish the reserve list? Yes.
3: All right. Next topic. All <laughs> right. Um,
0: so, so coming from a player's point, point of view, obviously, yes. Um, I think Wizards should abolish the reserve list. Um, why? Because it would create a high density of players into more internal formats like Legacy, Vintage, and our format CDH. But we got to keep in mind that Wizards is a company owned by Hasbro, and they don't really care about what our opinions are or what our feelings are they care about their bottom dollar and it's really sad because like personally and i think most i speak for most of the magic community i want i want to like have a place out of every dual land readily available i want to play all the best decks i can so yeah honestly i think they're making enough money as is to like like I think, they, we, the, I think we all think they're making enough money yeah but this. like oh yeah but like the, I wish I had a printer that prints money <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like <good> the, right. <laughs> that's why they don't care about like abolishing the reserve list like it doesn't change their bottom dollar and like if they're not affected they're still making money and if they did abolish it would they make more money oh I ever, may, 100%. maybe Secret may, maybe not I think they make more money off more prints like more special prints of cards. Like, secret layers. Yeah, secret Um, layer foils. That's the
1: perfect opportunity for some dual ends. I think that it's a little more complicated than that. I don't think it's just, like, the bottom dollar. I think there is general fear that they will get sued by a lot of very rich people. Well, (laughs) Well, yes,
0: but that whole agreement isn't a contract. It's not an on-paper contract. It doesn't matter. It's a verbal contract. I think that that Wizards of the Coast, as a company, if they weren't owned by... uh, Hasbro? Ha- ha- no. hasbro hasbro I- I- has hasbro hasbro <laughs> I-, I i think wizards coast would be like okay like this wasn't an actual written written contract yes we may get sued but i think it would be in our general in- best interest to i think they have, i think
3: oh okay, great but i i agree with that i think they have everything to gain from doing something like this because what product they put it in is going to fly put two in in a product and then space it out and put two more cards Mm -hmm. in another product. Do you have any idea how
1: much of that, how hot that product is going to be? They tried doing that. It was called From the Vault, and people got fucking pissed about it. Well,
3: then they started making From the Vault, like, printings that weren't great. It's like, cool, all these cards are mediocre. Thanks for a special version of this card. (laughs) Come on, Ritual. Yeah. Well,
1: I think that, like, I think that the problem is, like, You've, you've, you haven't done it for so long. It's like, can you really even do it now, right? Like, I think
2: that's hard, They're kind of trapped in this I hole suppose, that they put themselves in. Yeah,
1: like, they tried to get around it, right? They tried to say, well, if we printed it as a foil. You know, it's not technically the same card being reprinted. Mox Diamond. So, yeah, exactly. Or Judge Promos, Gaia's Cradle, uh, Wheel of Fortune. All those followed the same rules, right? So, uh, they already tried that, and there was tons of blowback. And I think they're at that point where, like, they've gone too far to turn around which sucks personally yeah get rid of the fucking shit i don't care that i've spent tens of thousands of dollars into this game buying reserve list staples because i just want more people to be able to play without worrying about oh like does this lgs have proxy rules if we play in a big tournament am i gonna get can i not play my deck because i can't play my cards you know stuff like that like i would rather them just get rid of it and like i will eat the loss like what do i care but there's people that have put in millions of, million dollars of dollars into doing this that I think that, like, well, our that's opinion... it's their mistake. Just have good anyway. enough lawyers that they can give Watsi
0: some Yeah, trouble. unfortunately,
1: yeah, like, sure. it just sucks because, like, yeah, get rid of it. Like, the player base can only scream so loud. And who should you be listening to? Like, do you really care about these people that are using your game as an investment that are kind of ruining it for other people? And not ruining it in the sense of, like, um, ruining the game, but you're making it financially unplayable. Which yep. is not—I don't think—was the goal. it's This isn't Metazoo, you know. Like Metazoo's entire goal is not to be a game; it's to be an investment, you know. If we're being completely honest, so like, why, why listen to those people when your player base is pre- preaching for something different? Because you pre-agreed to it. You already agreed
3: to it. A, and, and and those those whales let's call them what they are—they're whales—are taking advantage of that and just. Nothing against Rudy, man. He's a very smart individual and he made some really intelligent plays when it came to, like, the reserve list market and stuff. I and mean, he's got binders full of tropical islands and stuff like that, right? But at the same time, like, what is he doing to the rest of the market, to the rest of the he's, – he's a gatekeeper. He's holding the keys that allow other people to play this format that we all love. And, and and for me, that makes me upset. That really does. Like – I have respect for Rudy and people that that do the things that he does. And and on a small scale, I like to do it sometimes. You know, like it's it's enjoyable. It's almost like I don't want to say gambling, but it's almost like gambling. It's like it feels good to stock make market, money. You know? It's in between. It feels good, good to make gambling. money. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, it does definitely have a negative effect on the player base. And I think at the end of the day, Wizards should be caring more about their player base than how much product they're able to insta-sell because there are people buying pallets that sit in warehouses for years and years and years and years and years well i i more product open equals more happy
1: players and your game lives longer because well and like kind of what you said the big thing is what do what do whales do for the game Mm -hmm. nothing because they don't do anything for the game they They do stuff for the secondary market and they do stuff for other investors but for the game they're not they're not helping magic become more popular they help wizards
3: by providing a list of cards that are going up in value that they can use as chase rares yeah
1: basically that's like that's like literally yeah like it's and maybe that's why they won't abolish it maybe because they they can continue to have yeah i have maybe, no idea they,
3: they do benefit off of it i guess a little bit in that sense
1: but still though like you're you're you you're affecting the people that like Uh, it sucks because like i don't really know like how much how much do those people really like (laughs) what what, i guess what i'm trying to get at is like watsi does their um or hasbro does their like financial reports every year they're like this year we made two billion dollars and that was a hundred million dollars more than last year and this is the best year of magic products ever selling right and it's like yeah and the player base is growing and everything's going great right but like would you sell all that product if those guys weren't investing in the game anymore probably not because they're buying truckloads of product to to sit on it and sell it later for higher prices but so like it sucks because they do benefit from it because people are buying it regardless right but uh, as someone who plays the game it just sucks to see other people not be able to it's got to look bad to the new player too like double masters just
3: came out I know and the allocations it. are so terrible you know you know there are whales out there that have literal trucks full of this product, and, and there are people – the set's not even out – that can't afford a $400 box on Amazon. Like, that's shitty. That's mm.
1: kind of shitty. Well, and WotC's excuse is that – Oh, well, there are shipping delays no, not and that. production They have delays. literally said on articles, um, posted on their website, well, maybe this isn't the product for you. Which, what are you making product for if it's not for your player base?
2: True. Collectors? N- noted, however – they are not reprinting cards on the reserve list with uh, the old Double Masters 2020 dose. I will say, as for reserved list cards, and should they abolish it, I got some bullets in the chamber. Kian said it would benefit Watsi. Hard disagree. Watsi does not give a fuck. You know what happened in Chronicles? That game almost goddamn died. Yep. Because I, investors, truth. those fucking dickhead whales that buy all these cards and are like, I, don't, I want my investments to go up. Your blah, blah, blah. Those people literally keep the game alive, hate them or not. I I fucking don't like them either, but without people buying massive amounts of cards, your game is not going to survive unless it is incredibly good. Or I
1: mean, I, I think this game is incredibly good enough to survive, you know. But if people
2: if, give up on it, they're not going to stick around,
1: right? Why would people I don't I don't think that anybody would give up on the game, right? Like I
3: mean, if I was a new player and a chance to get some staples that I desperately need comes about with Double Masters twenty twenty two and because of a bunch of whales and shortages and supply issues I can't get any? Yeah, that's discouraging. That'll ruin it for me. That's one player that Wizards loses. And if and multiply that by a bunch of new players because a new super hot set that all their homies were like, yo, if you're gonna get into magic you need to buy some of this and it's not available, like, that's a problem. And
0: and I do think that that's kind of the draw of Magic, right? Like, the reserve list is, like, the premium. Like, that's what sets Magic apart from any other card game. Because, like... You yield, like, it may have expensive cards, but it doesn't have, like, the vast amount of, like, reserve, right. reserve lists. The untouchables. Yeah, yeah, the untouchable stuff. The exclusivity stuff. of it. Because that stuff sells. It yeah. Does. Well, and, and, I, and
1: that's the appeal of magic. I just look at, set, like, different card games, like Pokemon, right? Like, what would abolishing the reserve list do? It would just make the game more playable. And all these whales that have invested in large amounts of cards from so the beginning, your card prices aren't going to be affected. Pikachu gets printed a thousand times, but if you get an alpha Pikachu,
2: it's still the best I can confirm with hard <laughs> negatives in my bank account <laughs> that fucking shining tyrannatars are still very fucking expensive may we
0: hearken back to the most financially <laughs> yeah, responsible. The most financially. <laughs> but you get what you get what I'm saying right
1: like like there's all these examples of that Shivan dragon is not reserved list but an alpha Shivan dragon is still multiple thousands of dollars you know yes like I don't think that there's a there's a loss to reprinting the reserve list because it just gives new players the opportunity to play the game and i think there's a lot of people who are like my investments my money it's like yeah dude well i'm sorry but i still want to be able to play the game and like i don't want this to turn into pokemon where card prices are affected by what's the coolest thing in the box right because like card prices in pokemon are all based on openings it's not based on the game as much as it is in in, in other, it's 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 just, lit- I like the shiny man. <laughs> yeah, the shiny man is cool. Cdh yeah, staples on. are
3: driven by Cdh. Yeah. We all know that. Now. Yeah, well, yeah. So Pokemon like, is
0: literally what's the most nostalgia hitting Pokemon card? <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Damn that was okay, let's just slap a Charizard in every set. <laughs> yeah,
2: literally, <laughs> that's what they. Actually I, know, do. I know, I know, I <laughs> know it is. <laughs> and, and, well, and like think about
1: like the Pokemon 25, right? That had just come out, the 25th anniversary stuff. They printed that into the ground, but people were still like loving to open the product or whatever, and it doesn't matter that like it's reprints of old cards those old cards still hold all their value. Well so, people are also loving to buy up that product because
3: there were other people going to McDonald's and putting 10 grand into the fucking dispenser like give
1: me as many happy meals as you can and it's yeah. like but still I don't want magic to turn into that and that's yeah. what it seems like it's turning into is like oh a collector's pack is $400 it feels like the freaking Pokémon Covid stuff, where it's like, oh, we're just gonna buy as many boxes as we yeah. can and you open got... them for YouTube videos, and we never played the game, but it doesn't matter because the cards look cool. And you got people fighting each other
3: in parking lots over Pokemon cards because like there aren't enough of them
1: because everyone bought all of them. Yeah, like back in the day in Chronicles, to sit on Magic, resell for when more. Magic almost died, the player base was also like super small and not what it is today. And you have millions of people playing the game all over the world to the point where it's like, does that really matter? I don't think so. I don't think that if you overprint a set, people are going to be like, no, I'm going to stop playing magic now because now everybody has a mana crypt. It's like, no, that's good. Let people play the game and let's let's make the cards affordable. If, Print it to the ground. Fuck it. I like, like playing brains. If they wallets. printed everything like they printed Chronicles now, who cares that the cards are all worth 50 cents? At least we can have fun and play together.
2: <laughs> can <laughs> mm. I make a weird analogy? It can
1: collapse the
3: sure. economy of a game, though. True.
2: That's what I was going to say. It can it, make
3: enough people mad that, like, they literally just go, they'll just give up. It, it can. So, that like, go it's ahead, a fine line. I'll buy, I'll buy did all that of Rudy's too.
1: tropical islands when he gives up. Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh!
3: did that, too. They started printing, like, their mythic rares at, like, uncommon level in sets just to, like, sell product and get cards that were expensive into players' hands, and it backfired, like, super hard.
1: I mean, there's obviously a balance to it, and I trust that because, like, Watsi... I want to buy a box and have yeah. everything be worth nothing. Kevin, you seem to have so
2: something to say. Well, I got about more bullets this. in the chamber. So... <laughs> more bullets. Oh, I didn't know you were. Oh, yeah. oh no, bullets. bro, Sorry, we got yeah. we got. It's fucking JoJo Part Five over here, boy. Dun dun. <laughs> so, Watsy made a promise to the whales, the baseball card collectors. Like, yes, you can move into our game and make money, right? That that's the reserve list promise that they basically did. Yeah. Was that we'll guarantee if you buy our fucking dumb rectangles. You can make money and then 45 years from now, you'll have a billion dollars or whatever. So, I think this analogy is similar to, let's say you've got a friend and something happens to you and your friend saves your life, right? And you say, holy shit, thank you. You just saved my life. Like, how can I ever repay you? Like, I'll do it. Like, you've given me something that I, I can't ever make that up, right? And so you're you're really loyal to that person. You're best friends for life, and you help them out whenever you can. But then, as the years go on, that friend now is kind of a drunken fucking mess, and they, they can't take care of their life. And well, you're always going to help your buddy out because he saved your life. You know, there's a point at which that promise kind of drags on, and you're like, fuck, I made a mistake. Like, yeah, he helped me, but like, I don't want to make this promise anymore. Like, you know, 25 years later, like, I want to print these cards again, man. Like, how do I? I, I? guess you guys kept my game alive when it was small. But now it's fucking me. And that's where Watsy is, right? They made a promise to people that kept their game alive financially because people were buying a bunch of the early boxes. And now it's coming to bite them because people are bailing on their older formats, which helped keep the game alive, right? So yes, they're feeding it into standard and all these fancy products that we buy because we're all stupid. But I think old legacy, old vintage, that's a cool thing to keep people around. And it sucks that Watsi is handicapped by that. And I don't think they will ever abolish the reserve list because they tried. As we said, they tried with From the Vault. It fucking backfired hard. Mm. So they have flat out just said, we're never doing it. It's too legal. It's not going to happen. So should they do it? That question doesn't fucking matter. They're not going to do it. Yeah. And
0: I think this, Adam, I know you wanted to address or have a question for us about what like reprint patterns and yeah others so um kind of
1: moving on from that topic because I think we can talk for hours about the yeah. reserve list and whether and it, or not it should be it off. abolished yeah <laughs> um when you guys like how do you guys think reprints and WotC's reprint patterns or policies affect card pricing and availability and does it price certain individuals out of the format so kind of what we were talking about earlier right We've kind of noticed there's a reprint pattern. A card normally doesn't get reprinted for at least two years, right? Staples, um,
3: anyway, like like big heavy hitters that Yeah, you're not going to see
1: Dockside Extortionists get reprinted until it's been out for a while, right? Which we just saw. It was about two years. It was the 2018 or the 2019 Precons. That's so four years. Three maybe. years, almost. Yeah, four years. So they, they, they definitely are slow to bring old cards to, to come about again. And I think what that does is it really prices people out of the game right especially newer players particularly um so like when you look at that how do you think it affects how do you think it affects the game right like how do you think it affects new players entering how do you think it affects old players trying to you know buy these new staples and they can't get one because it's 80 dollars, right um and do you think the reprint policy should be more frequent do you think that they should reprint cards more often do you think that they need to if a card is A staple that needs to be seen again do they drop it in a secret layer only a year later and say hey if you really want this card you can just buy it straight up you know in a secret layer with some other cards that maybe aren't so uh, aren't as such chase cards or things like that like what do you guys suggest or what are some solutions that you can provide to this problem if you think it's a problem some of you guys might not think it's a problem or think it's good but like personally I think it can be a big problem I think like the most prevalent like version of this was dockside like you print it in a precon, it's a broken fucking card and then nobody can get it so how do you fix that problem like what, what are your guys' takes on that
3: well i well they don't really i don't think wizards i honestly i i don't have a whole lot of faith in wizards like uh, r&d department anymore like i don't really think they think about it too much i think that they look personally i think they look at the secondary market and they go what cards are hot right now that we can print because they, they pre-plan these sets, what is it, like two years in advance, right? That's what they say, like 24 uh, months. On average. Set, I, yeah. I know that Baldur's Gate, for some reason, the, the dude who created or was the lead designer of Baldur's Gate, the most... Uh, That's Gavin. Dragons, I think Gavin um, works on He worked on Legends. it for like, that was like six years. The original Commander Feels Legends... Feels bad because the
1: set was kind of yeah, a flop, so but he
3: worked on it for a while. Flavor-wise, it was good. So Flavor-wise, so great. Because like,
1: I've read all his articles and stuff. From what they said about it, it was like Commander Legends 1 took so long to make and was really good, but had some really broken cards. Yeah. So for this new one, they didn't want to use partner, and they had to find a way to work around that, and it took a lot of planning and a lot of pre-planning to figure out how to do it, and they can't just make more partners that have partner because you would just break the game with right. all these infinite partners. So um, they, had pers- to go, they had to power it down, and yeah, there's definitely like...
3: I personally don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with uh, Wizards' current, like reprint trends um but i do think that it can be a lot for new players to like have to think about or feel like they want to think about and i would just encourage people to like just if you're gonna invest in a format like like it was mentioned multiple times like just get in now just do it now there's no better time than now you're gonna take some losses you're gonna get some wins you're gonna see cards that you just bought get reprinted and then you're going to see them trickle back up to the same value a couple of years later when another set where it could be reprinted doesn't reprint it and you're back where you started. So mm. I, I, I know it's a lot to handle as a new player thinking about all of that stuff, but like just get in where you can, when you can, and, and keep an eye on the market. Keep an eye on when the last time a card was reprinted because you can expect within two to three years if
2: it's a staple... And it's a chase rare that you'll see it somewhere.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, you know, I, I think that, how do I put this? When reprints happen, so when, you know, any new box comes out that says, hey, we're going to do a whole bunch of reprints. You're going to be able to get these cards you've wanted for a long time. And now they're, ooh, they're cheap and they're abundant, right? It does two things. A, it lowers the price. But B, it also brings a lot of people into the game, right? Because a lot of people who are like, oh, man, when, when they reprint fetches, I'm totally going to buy some for my commander deck. And guess what? They do. And then they get their friends in, and they bring more people. So it ends up, sometimes paradoxically, making prices more expensive because yep. you made cards more available, so now more people buy them. It's like the whole idea of widening the roads to get rid of traffic. It just lets more people more on traffic-y. the road now. Yeah. That's yeah. what's yeah. about to happen with Imseel, I'm oh, telling you. Everyone's I'm, like,
3: oh, this card's going to be 50 bucks. It's worse than Vamp Tutor. There well, like, aren't any. It was printed at Mythic, limited print run set. Like, well, what about, Everyone
1: like, needs a copy right now. What about like the FOMO? Like, There's like this artificial FOMO that he yes. creates with this whole reprint stuff yep. where it's like oh we're gonna put all these chase cards in this set and get them now or otherwise you're gonna miss out and then yep. you won't get them for two years it's like you're forcing people to spend like all this money and it's it's kind of creating this toxic kind of uh
2: magic toxic <laughs> no, no no well you know what i mean like, there, ca- <laughs> it's like this to-
1: there's like this toxic mindset around like buying cards and all this kind of stuff or buying things like the professor will always preach buy singles don't buy whatever because like reprints yada yada so i i just think that um you know like there's there's definitely a uh i don't know i think there's a problem with it i I don't think it's enough i think that they create this fomo and it's really forcing people to have to spend money
2: do you think it's because they don't print reprint things enough or it's because they print it too much
1: i think it's because they don't Print things enough, like yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think that they. I don't think that there's a problem with. I don't think you can print something too much, at least in the format we play. Like, and, and see, that's what's unless you're taking a
3: mythic and moving it to uncommon. That's I fine. Mean,
2: I Just don't, don't move a rare to a mythic. I don't care either way. <laughs> I don't care either way. We <laughs> we, Hite, Overlord, we play ever. a
1: deck building game. You know what I mean? Like, if you make b- more cards available to people, it doesn't matter to me what the rarity is, and especially when you play competitively, like. Like I don't care about if you move a uh, if you move a mythic to uncommon because it doesn't mean that I or like if you give uh, a mythic to uncommon to me that doesn't really matter because like the card is still there and playable. If you took legendary off of something that wasn't legendary, well maybe that matters now because now you can have four in play at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, but like shifting rarity doesn't I don't care, you know? I don't I don't really care. And I think if you print it more, I don't care either. Like I just want to be able to afford the cards and play the game.
2: I'm with you. Honestly, just, I mean, and fucking Wizards will never do it, frankly. I, I think uh, Pokemon Company figured it out when they were just like, fuck it, gas, print the cards a billion times. Watsy, for some reason, doesn't want to print more cards, and I think it's because they realize we'll keep buying them at their dumb prices. Yeah. But well, one thing that fucks me... exclusivity and FOMO, dude. Straight up, but honestly, God, it just fucking frustrates me to no goddamn end, because... The, the dipshits on Reddit, especially the main MTG sub, oh my god. These people have two brain cells racing for fucking third place, right? They're sitting there like, oh, it's always spoiler season. Why does Watsy reduce? So many cards, I can't keep up. And then they're like, the cards are so expensive. Yeah, Bro, you yeah. can't have both. Either print this shit into the ground, and it's going to be hard to keep up with it. Yeah, like, it sucks. Or, or you're going to be paying fucking $800 for that shit you want.
1: Well, and print it into the ground because, like, let the whales buy the product, open it, and sell the singles. I'll buy the singles. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care because, like, that's what happens when you print a lot of product is a lot of people open it. Like, all these cards on TCG Player I don't think are from guys like us opening them. You know what I mean? Like, it's from stores and whales and people who are single sellers opening these cards and and doing that. So, like, if you print it into the ground to the point where – you know, they're just readily available, then fine. So be it. That's the, that's the price. I safe. think it would also discourage, uh, the, like
3: the whales. Fine. Yeah, then I the product gets would,
1: cheaper for us to buy and exactly now we can buy boxes for, for once.
0: And early. like, I, I have a differing opinion from like. Product guys, availability
3: to the player is important.
0: I like, I don't think even like matters. Who cares? Who cares if they reprint shit? You're going to buy the cards anyways. It doesn't matter. Quit your bitching and, and buy the cards. It doesn't fucking matter. As much as we sit here and be like, oh, well, actually, they're going to be reprinting this and this set, and we should buy now. Who the fuck cares? You're going to buy the cards anyways, so just stop causing problems for Wizards, and maybe maybe they'll do something nice for us.
2: Dude, yeah, straight My down. wallet that's such cares, cares that's such I got a, bills to pay. I don't give a, a d- fuck. <laughs> yeah, Wattie doesn't give a fuck, bro. These people realize they're like, hold on a minute, bro. You're telling me I can put funny pictures of fucking dogs on. On a piece of cardboard, and these dipshits will spend an entire pickup truck's worth of money on them? Literally. Bet, and they did it, and they were like, yo, they're going to keep doing it. This time, we're going to make it shiny on the outsides and the insides. And people were like, holy fucking shit, it has texture? Because (laughs) wizards will literally be like, all right, here's a new shiny art limited edition. People are like, holy
0: (laughs) shit, i got to buy that card right. So did you make dog 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 side
2: into a monkey? (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, no, no, don't even get me started on that, because that's just that's just wrong.
2: You printed Ragavan again,
1: but he makes more treasures? Hey, it's Ragavan's granddad. Look
0: at him. <laughs> look at him fucking monkey, Gabo, whatever it is. All, all right, right. We Mo- done, moving on. We've done, dung beat that
3: dead horse more Moving on. Than Extremely
2: than spicy before. take. Abolish the reserve list. Reprint all of the duels on friggin' Secret Lair so I can stop playing the ugly-ass, disgusting, fucking white-border ones. I mean, that's...
0: Just, <laughs> just get alphas, bro. Yeah, just, just spend more money. All right, so that. so moving on to your guys' favorite segment, Flavor Text of the Week. All right, so... That is a
2: lie. That is not my favorite, but okay.
0: No one asked you. All
2: right. <laughs> bro, you got to have your profile, and I got to fucking prep for this. <laughs> Shut up. You guys are I don't big old dummy boys. So the,
0: the Flavor Text of the Week will be a little different this time because we're going to be doing two Flavor Texts. So one's going to be for our group here today, so us four. And one is gonna be for our fans, which you guys will. Uh, I think it's Discord or YouTube.
1: Oh no! So if if you guys go into the Discord and you go into the episode discussion channel and you put what you guys think the flavor
0: text of the week is, there's actually a, uh, I just created a separate channel for flavor text. Oh well, thanks so. for letting me know before we record. <laughs> anyways, um, I told we, you this
1: just wait. Uh, we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, if you put it in that if you put it in that channel. Um, we will just pick someone at random we'll use like a random wheel out of all the people who got the answer correct and we'll give we'll reach out to you get your address and we'll send you something special a little gift from us to you for getting through these episodes at the halfway point just thank you for you Know being a listening part of this, in. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if
2: you can use spoiler tags, and do we do we want to give like a time limit, like a week or how long do you want to? It's gonna, just going to be uh 24 hours, so. 24 hours. Ooh, spicy!
1: Yeah, so you got to be quick and you got to watch mm-hmm. that. Y'all better fast. be listening right yeah. now. Hell if you're yeah. not, all um...
0: right, so
2: if you PM me, I'll send you a foil, of your charm. <laughs> Why? Cause bad spec- spec- foil <laughs> because it's a Because I have eight of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'll be starting with the cast's flavor text, okay. Um okay no clues but i think you guys should be kind of in the ballpark all right our glorious infection infection has taken hold Elishnorn grand xenobite
2: okay so this is a cdh playable card fringe fringe. fringe fringe tainted strike
1: fringe. so it's got a predator no, it's strike. <laughs> oh my god it's got a quote. that's a little beyond fringe. it's got a quote from ellish so it's a phyrexian related card yeah um it's is
2: attack probe because that's not really fringe
1: what is um, say it again please our glorious infection has taken hold
2: noxious revival
1: nope that's it i
3: was Triumph for the hordes nope no
1: nope. i mean our glorious infection has taken hold Praetor's grasp nope that's i also thought that but uh, oh. not it
3: uh-huh. our glorious infection has taken birthing hold. pod nope no, it's fringe? birthing oh. pod doesn't have flavor text oh. even Correct. death mantle i don't know nope no, uh, that's
1: a good one. Is it, it is an artifact oh so it's an artifact what are artifacts from that Contagion class. Literally everything. <laughs> 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 Contagion <laughs> class. Nope. Is it new or is it old? Let me tell old it was printed
0: in Phyrexia, so it old. Is it a land? I just said it's a artifact. Oh, wait, yeah. You
2: it can be both. Bad or it, it could be both. Artifact nope. land? <laughs> uh, said Christ. Oh, uh, printed in New Phyrexia. No, Aether Vial wasn't printed
1: there. I have no idea. I, don't, I wasn't around for... Firexia. So really, that's like think. what? Oh, I, oh, that was like the best time
3: to play standard. Oh, Lord it's a oh. fringe playable. It was, it was a great time. Prater Artifact. P-
2: artifact from probably New phyrexia or something in that or Mirrodin or whatever.
1: Live wire lash. Scars of Mirrodin. Scars? What? Oh, Scars of Mirrodin. Or. Er, yeah, either that, scars that, or New phyrexia that, it's, that it's, part, it's it's come on, dude. That's
0: so many cards. It's the
2: artifact. It's an artifact. What's a fringe, fringe flash playable? Flash rive
1: No, a CDH playable. It draws
2: a
0: card.
1: It draws a card. Maybe two cards. Maybe two cards.
3: Draws
0: a and card. It's an, it's an
2: artifact that draws oh one or two cards. Uh, ether Sworn Cannonist with a Temna on board. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! I have Combined no idea. It is,
0: it is also popper playable. Oh, so, so it's on. a common. Okay.
1: Oh, oh, it's a common artifact also. It's think one of, of my favorite cards. Think affinity. Think affinity. Uh, oh, is it,
2: is it spring? No, spring life drama is lorwin no. no, it's um, one of my favorite match cards. It's not. Uh, it's and I don't print, know the.
1: <laughs> it's not the star, is it? Chromatic star? Nope.
2: <laughs> is it chromatic? The other one.
1: Oh, it's, uh, um, it's from okay. Phyrexian block. Also played in Popper. Draws a card. Porcelain like that. Legionnaire.
3: <laughs> hey, that was a good no, ass card back in the day. Yes, it, it was. A card. Card. Yeah, Classic so, piker, yeah, two so mana, three
1: dumb. one with first strike. Hell, Hell yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, is it the relic?
0: Relic of
1: No, genitals? No, no, not genitals. A uh, coalition relic? No, nope. uh, no. It is a relic. Right, it's a so? relic. I know what it is. Oh shit.
0: Um, I think you think you're wrong, bro.
1: No, I'm gonna. Can I, I Google MTG relics. relics?
2: Nope. nope. Okay.
0: I mean, you could. You'd be wasting your time. Can I fucking scoop? I scoop. I scoop. <laughs> I scoop. It costs two mana.
2: Two CMC. And it draws you cards? It draws a card. Is it the fucking uh, one of those artifacts that it's like, crack it, and if you pay black, you can draw a card?
0: It is not a spell bomb.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: it's not, it's not Relic of on. Progenitus. it's not Coalition Relic. Fuck. I don't know what it is. I think I have to scoop as well. Yeah, scoop.
0: Yeah. All right, Kevin, since you're the last one, I'll be giving you another ink. Hold on, hold on. Go, go right. on, go on, go on. All right. When it hits the graveyard, it has a trigger that goes on the stack. Damn it, that's why I thought it was one of those things. That draws you a card. A trigger that goes on the stack that draws you it a card. It costs two mana. It's an artifact. It has uh, Elishnorn. Oh,
2: uh, Icker Spring Wellspring. Icker Wellspring. Icker Wellspring. Ah, ah, bro, for the you. worst <laughs> fucking person at this, I'm getting close. I need like eight hands, but still. Draws right. you. I should have known when
3: you said maybe draws
2: you too Wait, <laughs> when you said cards, I almost like fuck it's one of those no rod casted things it's No the, it it's was the... uh
3: back in the day it was fodder for uh Kaldorfa Kaldorfa
0: rebirth yep.
2: or like, uh, three goblins, second three artifact room crook plan
0: ironworks and then the flavor text for the fan since fans since you y'all use google i'm on to you um this will be a very fringe
2: card that is not cdh playable uh, <laughs> <laughs> you freaking scryfall fucks scryfall fucks challenge hard mode don't go onto scryfall they're never gonna
0: get this card them. <laughs> okay so um nothing comes together as easily as it comes apart it's a zombie that's your only clue well we don't need a clue no Where that's clue? their only oh that's clue. their
1: clue it's a zombie nothing Wait, comes together as easily <laughs> as it comes apart <laughs> Okay, so we are about an hour and 14 minutes in. So let's maybe try to go through the rest of these ones a little bit quicker. Okay. Um, Welcome to Sad Noz's three-hour episode. <laughs> so, or turn one, Noz. Yeah. So, <laughs> and lose. Uh, we are uh, in the tank with this one. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, let's swing it right back to you for
2: your second topic. Well, um, I kind of wanted to bring up the topic and the idea of, like, how do cards retain their value over time and how do we ensure that they – You know, you make the correct investments when buying the cards we need for decks, right? Like, how do you make sure you don't buy a stinker that drops? Or, like, how do you make sure that you don't, like, miss out on buying a card that, like, you know, you're like, oh, man, I missed it by three weeks, now it's three times the price. Uh, This is, you know, as we talked at Ad nauseum about (laughs) tips you can do, right? you took my line. (laughs) Ah, you didn't say it. (laughs) I think I'll give you a couple my my personal easy tips, right? Like, if it's reprinted, give it between one to three. Four ish weeks after it's out, usually will be at its low. You can you can refer to Modern Horizons 2 fetches. I would have been wrong. And if six dollars.
3: If it's good, it'll go up from there. If it's not, it'll go down.
2: in in about three weeks, look at the trajectory, right? Like I watched Foil, Borderless, Extended, Whatever Bullshit Besage, and I watched it every friggin' hour for like days. And it hit sixty bucks, and I said, "Cool." When it hit fifty five, and then it hit seventy three, and I went, "Fuck!" And I went to eBay and I found them for seventy seven, and I said, "Good enough, Bye. So, how do you make sure that you don't get a card that's a stinker? You know, it's hard, right? Like, I I would say, like, don't buy cons fetches right now. But like, it might be two years before they're reprinted, so maybe you should get them now. That's hard to say. I'll pass it off to Ken. You know, see if he's got any thoughts. But man, it it's hard to know.
0: Um. Hmm. I, I think that's that's at least personally for me that's really tough to answer because I don't I don't I'm not I, I'm not big into like finance. There's a there's a spider crawling on her. Jeez, shit. why is Sorry. there so many spiders? Dude, doing what doing? dude, what is happening? Dude, <laughs> it's because we, it. we made the blanket <laughs> for. We made the blanket for, and now it, it's all gone to shit. But um, so Kevin, your question was like to to sum it up, how do we look at cards and how do we look at cards? Here, I I can intervene here. I think that... (laughs) I I got distracted by the spider. Now I'm (laughs) Um, off off um, the
1: train of thought. How do cards retain their value over time, right? I think that something that I look at is, is it a win con, right? If it's a win con, it's probably going to retain its value. Something like Thassa's Oracle, Underworld Breach, cards that are playable in our format, and you need them to play a certain archetype or play the game, that card is going to retain its value, right? Um, Fast Mana. Mox Amber is probably the most recent form of fast mana that I yep. can think of. That, like, it's a free mana rock that nets one. It's gonna retain its value. Bro, they yeah. played
2: that card so safe. They're like, this one won't be broken. It was broken. Yeah. it was. It was broken. So like, was like good. you
1: gotta look at a card and see what makes it playable and 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 how good is it, right? Ledger Shredder is probably gonna retain some value because it does what a broken card already does, which is chrom and does it on a smaller body for less mana and it's efficient and efficient cards
2: will retain their value. Um I think unique cards also fit this much better, right? Like how many cards do what brain freeze does? Yep. Brain freeze. If you it, it, if you but, don't
3: I have something to say about this as well. But mine's very brief and then you guys can take it away. I just want to add this in there. So if you don't know where to begin about how to decide if a card you're about to buy is going to hold its value, look at uh look at general concepts like um card density and the concentration among deck lists on the database if you really don't know where to start and you're like i think this card's really good i want to try it in my deck but i don't want to invest x amount of dollars look at other formats that play it maybe there's a reason like goldspan dragon for example was like 50 dollars at one point but it was because it was like played in every single deck in standard and like the cards you know not CDH playable, but it's EDH decent. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to buy that card when it's fifty dollars. Just look at other formats that it's being played in. Ledger Shredder is probably inflated because Standard's playing the hell out of it. Right yeah, there. but other
1: formats will still utilize
3: it. So and certain cards, check other deck lists. That that's my advice is just check other deck lists, see the card density and stuff like do that. Do your research. Well, certain cards
1: also just retain value. Eternal Witness can get printed a hundred times. It's still going to be a couple dollar card because it's just spell, so good. You so know what ready. I mean? Yeah, so printed in every commander well, set It's still over. Soul Ring has definitely crept down
3: like over the years, but it's every different. time they don't, though, it's like a three or four dollar card. If they didn't print a soul ring in the next commander pack that comes out, and you get a bunch of decks without soul rings. That card's gonna be three dollars again. Oh, yeah,
2: same thing with counterspell, man. That motherfucker is two dollars. <laughs> they could literally be like, Here, uh, our secret layer, it's zero dollars, and you get a thousand counterspells. <laughs> It'd be two fucking dollars.
0: it <laughs> would be three dollars. I, I think like uh i don't know who touched on it it was either adam or kevin i think um me especially you look at card uniqueness like is it like a secret letter card and like is it like special printing like borderless like i know double masters just rib for your pleasure foils like those are obviously going to retain retain their value because there's only a couple of them in the world and i think yeah that is a good point borderless cards with specific arts cards that look cool dude this is pokemon i mean it's cardboard
2: nfts
1: yeah those cards are definitely going to still retain their value just because they're unique in a specific type of way whether it be art whether it be card text card text yeah. whether it be flavor unique text. mechanics but <laughs> some flavor text is good you know like it can art affect, work is a big one too I, yeah yes. artwork. judge
2: promo is one of those things where like will it will you ever see this again
1: exclusivity
2: Exactly. That can Oh, also... God, we're back on exclusivity again. <laughs> Uh-oh, well, we're gatekeeping other card printings. <laughs> right, so I, think,
1: uh, I think it definitely just can... It, we're in a hole. A lot of those things can affect um, how a, uh, a card will retain its value. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, what do you have to add? Uh, another thing that you can look at for determining, like, the value of a
3: card is look at cards that pair well with it. If those cards are expensive or they're win-cons, for example that card's going to retain its value. If it's a direct support piece or combo piece with it, mm. it's pretty safe to assume that if it's in the same strategy, it's going to hold the same value as that card. If your Underworld Breach is holding good value, your Brain Freeze is going to hold good value, for example.
0: And I think that brings us to what you want to talk about next, Sam, is like, like how do you evaluate cards? I think you want to like oh, propose I mean, a question. I mean, we've, we've,
3: pretty much like, we've pretty much determined how... Like we've we've talked about that in, in detail. I, I like to evaluate cards based on, like I said, what they work with. Um if if a card is the same thing, if it does the same thing as another card that's already being played and it's just more efficient, obviously that's gonna be a good card. Um, I'm pretty much I, I think I've pretty much touched base on how I evaluate cards. I don't I don't really have a whole lot to add to that.
1: Well, I think it's like when you evaluate... We've gone, we've gone a, in a much yeah. bigger full circle than I thought we were going to, which is good. Good discussion, but... Yeah, I mean, I think with new cards and new sets, you just be smart and try to time it mm-hmm. and try to look at when when cards, like you guys said, like there's that one to four week window. But it's usually at the two week mark that you're going to see a card really hit its low point. Um, and try to just be aware of that and, and try to get good deals where you can. Yeah. Try to, you know... Look at especially if they're mechanically new cards from new sets, like not reprints. Um, you gotta try to really determine how playable a card is, and get it on Reddit, get in the community. I was and, gonna say just that. Yeah, like start seeing what the conversations are about. As soon as Ledger Shredder was spoiled, people were like, "Yo." Yeah, the CDH kinda, Reddit was baby prom. This, this card is kind of good. good. Yeah, yeah exactly. But straight so, up,
2: like two two hard tips. Adam was straight up like leaning into it. Uh, a. Go talk to people, like, whether it's, like, you know, Discords, where with Dex, you already run, uh, or, like, sad, no, Discord. <laughs> go, you know, talk to... Like, hey, I play TNT. I went to the Paradox Discord, right? Like, go ask them, like, hey, card just dropped. Is it good? And they'll be, like, fire emoji or garbage emoji, right? Like, they're usually going to be right. People that play very seriously know a lot better than, like, just random fucking finance guys. Two check deck lists man like if if a modern ptq just dropped and like a card is showing up like crazy or like if pioneer just dropped and winota is dumpstering people i'll get fucking banned uh, <laughs> like just look and be like shit this card's got like six hours before it spikes do i need it and do i want it so just two quick tips for me
1: yeah i think that those are all good things um kian uh do you want to go through like something a little fun a little bit more of a uh oh a game a game <laughs> i like games as long as our pants are staying on
2: that's the worst type <laughs> of game exactly <Wait>, you, <laughs> you guys what's... have your pants on I... wait what
3: <laughs> I mean, I can't stand under the table, but check, check
2: our OnlyFans, Sad Nudes. We're going to have <laughs> <sad> <laughs> Strip, strip
4: CEDH.
0: Yeah. Uh, instead of Rip It or Flip oh, It, oh we're going to play Rip It and Strip It. Rip It and Strip It. See, exactly. Rip for your pleasure. All right. What are we moving Texture on clothes. to, Adam? All right. Uh, got? So I got something. So um, what staples would I buy on a limited budget? So let's say I have like a $500 budget. Like, what staples would I buy as, like, a new new player to the format? Like, So, um, CDH, uh, CDH decks mostly run, like, the same shell of cards. And uh, most of the unique cards are going to be strategy-specific. So, like, Doxai Loops, you have, like, Cloudstone Curio. Um, Ishai, you have, like, Auric Salvagers. Same with Razakast. You know, like, it's all basically one shell with, like, Force of Will, blah, blah, blah. But you have those unique strategies, specific cards. Um, so I'll give an easy, I'll give an easy example, cause uh, I'm a Grixis player, so I'm gonna start with Grixis Turbo Nos. So, what I would buy um, off of uh, like $500, I would focus on what wins me the game. So, Thoracle plus the two consult, so consult Tana Pact, and then Ad Nos. So I would focus on cards that ramp me. If I could afford Fastman, I would, but I wouldn't cash out for like. A wheel of fortune, or like a mana crypt right away. Yeah, you get
3: a I, mana crypt and a grip model and you're you're at five hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. So I'd focus on like more cards. Like to be fair, Grixis is kind of expensive expensive to get into, but not really, because you have like the counter spells, which are cheap and uh cheap and effective, both monetarily and in the game. And then you also have cards like Adnott. It's like ten bucks. Yeah. So yeah, just cards that win you the game. Um, in my opinion. Because
2: they feel good when you have the real one and not a proxy or a piece of paper. Yeah. Well, if I had $500 right now and I just
3: saw a super Superfire uh, Master's set come out that reprinted a bunch of staples for EDH or CDH, I would buy all of the staples I need in my respective strategy that did not get reprinted, and I would buy them right now. And then I would wait a couple more weeks, and I would buy any that did get reprinted, like Dockside. Mm -hmm. wait till it bottoms out and i would buy it then that's what i would do with my 500 dollars. i'd wait for a master set personally
1: i think if i was a player getting into the game and like there's a deck i want to play or i want to get into cdh as a whole and i had 500 dollars, the first thing that i would buy contradictory to what you said would just be straight up fast mana i think that when it comes to cdh you're looking at cards that specifically always hold their value when you look at mana crypt mana vault uh, Opal, Mopal, the Moxes, right? Um, they all stay around the same price. It'll get reprinted, it'll drop. 10, maybe 20 bucks at most, and then it goes right back up.
2: Dude, if anything, it creeps up in price. I remember when Mana Vaults were fucking $15. I
1: know. Right now, I just missed out on buying right, a Foiled well, Head. <laughs> Dude, there, it's a reprintable card. <laughs> yeah. foil Borderless Mana Vault was like $80 yesterday. Now it's 115 It's like, what the fuck? I just like... So, yeah, so like, if I had 500 bucks, I would get that shit out of the way. Like, Get my Fast Mana and spend all of it on that because almost every single deck in the format plays it. If you're not on sure. stacks and you're not on green... You're gonna be playing fast mana, and even a lot of green decks still run fast mana because it's just that good.
2: Yeah, dude, I run fast, fast mana.
1: mana. Pig. Yeah, fast mana is good. So I would—that's what I would do. Like, if I had 500 bucks and my budget was limited, and it was like, what am I gonna spend to get into CDH, bro? Get that. I remember the first card I bought that, like, I was like, this is CDH. Was like when I had my sliver deck. I kind of talked about like it was the first deck I brought to competitive. I got a mana crypt. I paid 75 bucks from a buddy who's like, I got two. I'll give you this one for half off. And I was fucking ecstatic, and I have never regretted that purchase. Like, having – like, those cards are or what take a casual deck to the next level because now you can do your thing faster.
3: Oh, they, it, they really do. It kind of ruins my decks in my, like, casual play groups, like, up. with my homies because, like, I play all the fast rocks even though I'm playing Pirate Tribal. And all my friends
1: are like, dude, stop.
3: You win, like, every game.
1: You're just going <laughs> – it, 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 in CDH, like, honestly, a lot of what we're doing is – casual combos and casual stuff the problem is is that we're just doing it so much faster faster than everybody else right like going through an infinite dog side loop is pretty fun if i did that in casual it'd be really cool just doing it on turn two is a little fast you know what i mean a little little sad fast mana will take you to that next level and i think you can take oh i think you can take an existing casual deck and get it pretty close to cdh if you upgrade your cards in that regard that's
3: fair i mean fair point pretty tough to argue with
1: logic like that I'm pretty logical guy. Like Same. you might be the most financially responsible, but I'm the most. Um, I was gonna say emotionally logical, but that those two words don't mix well together. <laughs> what would you do, Kevin, if you had like 500 bucks? How would you spend it in this format?
2: Um, so Kian said, "New player yep. doesn't." I mean, okay. I'll, I'll give two answers, as I do. i never like to stick to one thing because I fucking never had to make up my mind. Uh, new player, right? You're like, I want to play CEDH. I have a deck. I want to upgrade it, right? That's I think that's a simple start. It's usually the start. Is, Very rarely yeah. are you starting from nothing. Yeah. So what I would, I would do... like
1: to start with Blue Farm because I've heard it's the best deck in the format. Okay, yeah. give me
2: $15,000. <laughs> buy a, buy a <laughs> Um. So <sighs> st- step one, right? Buy your commanders. And personally, buy them in foil. I, that's you know it, obviously you know Nigilus a hundred bucks foil and like one dollar non-foil it's a difference right but like a Thrasios is like twenty bucks versus like three bucks I like having the cool commanders in foil that's my personal thing they see them all the time exactly they're yeah. the cards that are literally always going to be there whether you cast them or not um, for for me like right like when I buy new decks when I'm really starting out I do two things I I do some of the heavy headers like Adam talks about because. A lot of the heavy hitters are reserve list, and you're going to have to get them out of the way. And it, it gets you over that mental hump of being like, wow, this deck's expensive. When you buy half of it on two cards, it's not so bad anymore. And then it mm. feels
3: better when you're buying the rest of the cards
2: that are like $10, Correct. $7, $15. That's you know, step two. I like to seriously, if you want to feel good about a deck you're going to start, sort your shit on Moxfield by cheapest buy everything under a dollar. Go to TCG Direct and just fucking slam it. You're like, bro, I just bought 37 cards and it cost me nine dollars. It feels great. And then later on I'll be like, ooh, now I'll buy every card under five dollars. And you do that and you're like, cool, I've now owned 59 of my cards but I've only bought 10% of the deck's, like, monetary value. Yeah, I do, that, that, that's
3: that's almost a whole deck right there. I do do cards. that.
1: Like, that's funny that you bring that up because that is, like, <laughs> how I build decks. I remember when I first built Winota, I was like, what's every card under $10? And I hit buy. And I was like, oh, I have 83 cards. That's crazy. I'm only 17 cards away from the deck being built. Who would have thought that, like, you know – Three hundred dollars would have got me that far,
2: you know, and it and it and it does with five hundred dollars. Goddamn, you can legit buy like ninety cards in most decks. So they in five dollars unless different. you're playing blue farm, then you can't.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's certain cards that are gonna push your price point up, and especially like dual lands and stuff like that. You can get by without those though. We know plenty of people who play really good CDH decks that don't run cards upwards of a thousand dollars that don't really increase your win percentage, right? Like how really good is a dual land when you can get a shock for twenty bucks? Yeah, Pro.
3: Yeah. If you're no, not on Adnaz. Like, there's... not
2: just play Shocks. Like, just play Shocks. If you're not playing yet, no, it's just play Shocks. Or, honestly, even, like, I hate to say tapped duels, but, like, in a slow enough deck, they're not fucking worthless, right? Like, play yeah. Yorn. He he runs t- Snow Duels.
1: Or run more Basics. You know, they're fetchable, True. and they come into yeah, play gives untapped. you a reason to play Blood Moon. Yeah. triumphs Stuff like that, all that gives stuff. you a reason to play Blood Moon, he says.
2: <laughs> or back to Basics. No, thank
1: you. No, I think that, yeah, I think that's, like, all really good like advice for people like if you're gonna like what what? Well, it's not really advice it's what we would spend money on right that's, like that's, if i that's literally what i do if i could go back and do it again i'd spend my first 500 bucks on all the rocks you know like that's just what i would do again yeah. because like that will easily take my deck up um that's and like bad. if you would go back you'd probably still be playing grixis turbonos because
3: oh i think about it i think yeah. that's what i did i mm-hmm. think mana crypt and grim monolith <clears throat> were two of my first like all right i'm just gonna do it
1: even the Grim, I don't let that I'd hold off on. I think it's the Bad Rock out of all the fast bad mana. Rock. But like, I was playing Maelstrom Wanderer at the bro, time. Man. Are like, you telling
2: me that a card that makes a colorless version of Lotus Petal that you can't play on turn one is bad? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, yeah, like when I first was building Gitchrog, like that's what I did. I said, yo, this sucks balls. Give me a Bayou. Give me a a Bazaar. Give me a a fucking cradle. And I just bought them. I mean, it sucked, but once I got them out of the way, the deck was much more achievable. Uh Yeah. And I felt like I could wait on the rest of them, right? Because reserve list, if you wait, sometimes you're in a bad boat. But like, sure, you wait on a fetch, like whatever. It's $5 more two months later. Like, that's fine.
1: Well, and speaking on, you know, pricing, after you spent that $500, well, what do you do then, right? um so my next topic is proxying and when it's appropriate um, what are your guys's views on proxying and how does it help make the format more affordable what do we recommend for individuals who are listening and aren't comfortable playing with them if some people aren't into proxies what are some alternatives to some staples or some cards that we know that exist out there but personally for me uh, i think proxying is always appropriate uh, and i think it's especially appropriate when you are on a budget and you can't afford everything right i think you should always strive to build the deck as best as you can with what you can afford but like if you're a new player or someone who has a 500 dollars budget and you bought all your mana rocks what are you going to do now when you need to get you know some other cards to play the deck like just proxy it up and yeah, all the opinion. kinkos spend five dollars on i think. Kinkos, I don't think even exists anymore. I think it's oh, just, okay. just Just FedEx. an example. It's just FedEx. Right. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you boomer. <age is> <laughs> My age is definitely. My age is definitely. So
3: I hit thirty this past year.
1: So leave me alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I have a few. I have a few left to go until then. But um, no, I think that like, I think that proxying should like we kind of talked about it a lot in our last episode. But I think here in the financial episode, it's a little bit more appropriate to discuss. Um, I think that like when it comes to pricing like if you want to try a deck before you buy a deck proxy it right Mm -hmm. if you want to work on it and um just try to get the cards you can a piece at a time proxy it until you can afford each piece i think it's that's totally appropriate and totally something that you should be comfortable with
2: yeah but especially with cards you're not 100 percent sure if you want to play like if they're like flex spots or you're like i don't really know if i like this deck (laughs) yeah do not go all in on a deck if you're not like confident you like it yeah
1: don't be like don't be like spencer and spend thousands of dollars building kenrith and then trading it before it's even finished to get a time twist <laughs> i mean that's a once in a lifetime a time opportunity, opportunity yeah. made out on that
3: trade <laughs> no like, just, i would have done the same thing it's just funny to me he has bought
2: bit. and dropped at least two almost completely built cdh decks <laughs> in a row
1: I've done the same thing. I haven't played Winota in months, and I spent a lot of money on her. Imagine playing other <laughs> decks. Um, i played Blue Farm for like two and a half years now. do do anything else. <laughs> yeah, you guys are just on the one deck. Um, and then for like what I recommend for individuals who aren't comfortable playing them or can't play them, if you're certain LGS doesn't allow it, I think there's a lot of cards that you can play something different that does something very similar, right? So, like, when it comes to, like, mana rocks, like, you can't get a Mox Diamond, that's whatever. There are free rocks that you can still play that still do things, you know? Um, There's, uh, what's the mana rock? I I hate that I don't know this off the top of my head. But you can tap it to add a colorless, a charge counter on it, or you can... Jeweled Amulet? Yeah, like, stuff like that is playable in CDH, and you can make it work on a budget, right? Um, Also, like, if you can't afford a wheel, you know... Oh, Coalition Relic. No, I think you were... Jeweled Amulet was... Jeweled Amulet was... It Um, doesn't
0: have... yeah, you can tap it about- to
1: add a charge counter on it, and it, it's a colorless charge counter. Okay. Or you can tap it to add a color of any mana. If you tap a mana to tap it.
0: Right. I thought you're. Th- I thought you never. Mind. Yeah. It, you don't know not, what I it's think. not. No. I um, do know
1: what you're <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Anyways, um, like if you can't afford a wheel, windfall exists and is only three dollars. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's there's alternatives to a lot of these cards that you can get out there that'll still take your deck to the next level that you don't need to be spending six hundred, seven hundred dollars on a card or, to get there. Just don't play wheels. Or just don't play wheels. There's there is a huge subset of the there, community. There, there that, are
3: budget brews for sure. You can definitely budget brew CDH. Speaking of budget a of content creators for it. Yeah. Speaking
1: of budget brews, we'll plug our boy Timmy T1000 with CDH budget brews, and budget then brews. also one of our new friends uh, from the Tryhards, who they do uh, competitive popper commander. So it's like <laughs> CDH Ooh. but popper commander. Yeah. So like there's budget alternatives that you can still get your competitive fix if you or in a place where proxying isn't allowed or that you can't play it you know um What do you guys like? Do you guys have some input on proxying? Legalized proxying. That's all I have to say. Legalized. You know know how many more
3: people go to Command Fest if you can play like X number of proxies? And actually, like you can. You're you're going there to play competitive EDH most times. It's actually changed now. So you can
1: you can go to Command Fest and play with proxied decks as long as you're in the free to play section. If you try to play for tickets in the paid section, they're gonna ask you not to play with proxies. Mm -hmm. Um, But like we went and we were playing with. Like playing with power and like um, Tyler from Play to Win and Rebel and all these people and everybody's got their proxy decks out playing with proxies and we're calling judges over to make, you know, judge calls on games and stuff. Nobody cares as long as you're
0: in that free to play section. So I, like I, I remember I fetched I was playing with duels and the judge came over like, well, there's duel lands. I'm like, Yeah, you're 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 a judge, bro. Like why are you surprised about <laughs> duel like, lands I can't believe at a commander lands. tournament? Yeah. What but it was um
1: yeah, I think that, like, that mindset is changing. I think it's changing in the community more than anything.
2: I think things are getting more expensive, so people have to make that decision. <laughs> like, wait, I change. can
0: just go to FedEx and That's spend $16 instead of 16000
2: Correct. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, oh, like, oh, like, you know, cards are getting more expensive, but... People are like, I don't want a proxy. Like, I want to own the cards, and I think you should own the cards too. And then three years later, they're like, Yo, how much is a fucking? uh, How much that shit cost? Yeah, I'm a proxy. You know what? I've always been a proxy. I think that. I think that is. I think we've
1: seen that mentality shift too, like in person sometimes, where it's like someone's been like, No, 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 and then like now you're now you're getting into the game more and you're building more decks than the one deck you had, and it's like, Hear
3: me out, Watsy starts recognizing CDH as a format. We get our own fan list. And they allow proxies at sanctioned events. How cool would that be?
1: If we get our mm-hmm. own ban, well, a lot of people don't want their own ban list because then they're just gonna start banning shit. Oracle, yeah, side. basically, okay, that's fair. To Dude. to, to variants Um, I don't like. I think that WotC like
2: can acknowledge. Like, I think what they have done is acknowledge like play test cards in tournaments. Do they absolutely can never ever in their entire life acknowledge the fact that we're allowed to make our own cards? That would open them up to people just straight up duplicating their cards.
1: Well, what I'm saying is, like, you've heard of playtest cards because you're a judge. You have to know what they are, right? So, like, as long as a judge has provided you with a version of a card, it can be a playtest card as long as it's returned at the end of the night to the judge. So, it's not a card you own, and it's not provided to be... A replica of a magic card, which is what they consider proxies to be, it is meant to be a card that has the same mechanical ability that looks nothing like a magic card. It is so a like judge
2: issued a replacement, which is an interesting loophole they figured out. Yeah,
1: so like you'll see people like with doc sides or not doc sides, but like people with like um, like dual hands that are like neon green in tournaments because they have to look different. But it gets around that loophole, and I think that like WotC's kind of turned a blind eye to it because they're saying like we know that. We can't print these cards for you to make them cheaper, so here's an alternative that we just won't
2: punish the people that are wink, wink. You know, you figured out a cool loophole. Cool, keep using it. We're not going to punish you, but publicly, they're still going to say you can't proxy. Proxying's bad. Well, Mm
1: -hmm. also, don't they like allow certain proxy rulings for like vintage or legacy tournaments, where they say like you can have five proxies in your deck because of certain price points for those tournaments? I think I've seen that before at like not not, not
0: not legacy.
1: I thought it was, like, something that existed vintage, during, like... Maybe C- v- I could see vintage. V- vintage.
0: Like, SCG or Channel Fireball. I think they were events. non-sanctioned, though. Uh, mm-hmm. SCGs are... that they, they did a vin- they? vintage one, yeah. Are
2: they allowed proxies?
0: Proxies. Ah. Quotes. Ah. Quotation. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I just think that, like...
1: I don't know. I think that I wish it would get more recognized in sanctioned events. Like, specifically for sanctioned
2: events. You know what I mean? Like That's what I said. Like, the, the reserve list bones us on sanctioned events. Because, dude... Really you know, many does. people. How you know, many casual players would watch competitive EDH? It'd be so cool. Like yeah. the first time you watch it, you're like, "Yo, I don't know what's going on, but this is gas." That dude's going fast. He has like 30 cards on the stack.
3: <laughs> it's turn two. It's turn two. His what's opponents going on are here? picking up their cards. I don't know what's going on anymore,
2: man. It's yeah. exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. All
1: right. Well, I think that we kind of covered a whole lot, and we have. Been talking for a while, like an hour and fifty minutes now at this point. Ooh, so record. I think that we can kind of end the episode here. So I think that this was a topic that isn't discussed enough in the community, specifically like financials and C D H. Um oh shit. I was segment. I almost <laughs> forgetting he didn't pay for his
3: segment. fish. He didn't pay for fish. Okay.
1: Um we oh, might this do... is my first feed the fish. Let's yeah. go. I don't even so know what's going on. Right let's now. do this one. We'll do it. Yeah, we got time. Okay. we got two minutes. Yep we got time and rounds yeah we got more than 10 minutes but anyways um this week's feeding the fish will be on cards that we think are financially undervalued for those of you guys that don't know what feeding the fish is everybody has two minutes to say a card that they think is normally underplayed or undervalued this time it's a card that's underpriced and you have to defend your choice why you think it's underpriced you got two minutes we won't talk during that two minutes and you'll get to say your piece after that, we have three minutes to say why we either agree with you or why the hell you're fucking wrong.
2: So, um, and you get no input. Yeah, this is, you this don't is get a response. and then I'll listen.
1: So, um, for this one, we're going to do cards that we think are financially underpriced. Um, so, you got two minutes to defend and explain why you think a card should be priced higher, and then we'll tell you why you're wrong or why you're right. So, who would like to start? Not I. Okay. I can go first. I, I don't have a time. card
3: prepared, so i a good... like, got to... You're going to say they're you're actually terrible
2: right at... Wait a minute. Basic <laughs> Islands. All right, those are undervalued. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they're one of the best cards in the, in, in the game. Ban Basic okay, Islands. Adam, you're going
1: to start us? Uh, yeah, let me just get my card pulled up here on TCG Player so that I can give you guys the price. Okay, but you clock. can start the clock now. And clock. Okay, so a card that I think is underpriced in this format is Bergy, God of Storytelling. Bergy is a card that I think for one, is a really gas commander and for two, has so much value in so many different decks that play them, specifically Storm decks and decks that are trying to accrue multiple spells. I guess that's also considered Storm, but like the value that it adds for just playing the game is not incremental, it's huge. Um, for those of you that don't know, Bergy says whenever you cast a spell, you get to add one red until end of turn. Um, Bergy's like three bucks right now. And I think that it's a three-mana spell that continuously adds you card. It's basically card advantage, a mana advantage, every time that you just play the game like you normally would. Not only that, but the flip side of Bergy, you can discard a card and exile the top two and play those cards this turn. It is card advantage. You're you're two for one, or... One for twoing yourself instead of two for one yourself, right? And I, it just has so much different um, playability, and it has um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not diversity, but it's um, – you can use it multiple different ways. What? Flexibility. Flexibility, sure. You can speak. I'm not going to tell you you can't speak oh. when I'm asking for help. rules, Rules, rules. <laughs> um, um, Shut up, judge. Oh yeah, and then it also says creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. Who cares? I don't know what that means. I don't even know what boast is as a mechanic.
2: But uh,
3: if it deals damage, you get to activate the boast ability, and sometimes the boast ability. Or is it just
2: attacking? Cool. I think it's just attacking.
1: Is it? I thought it was when they deal
3: damage. It was Either it's a way, bad
2: mechanic. not it. a good mechanic. Either
1: right. way, it has multiple different mechanics on the same card, and I think that that is what makes it broken. So, I think that this card's undervalued. I like get three bucks. Dude, it should be worth way more. At least ten.
3: All
2: right. I have my card. Okay. Uh, oh. So, time. We get three minutes to roast him. I actually put three hours on here. So, allow me to fix that real quick. Okay. Uh, who would like to open on their, their cheek clapping? <laughs> I actually agree with him. So,
3: I, not, not me. <laughs> I, 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 I also think okay. that that card's bullshit. I'll start.
2: Berge is a great card. Kian, I think you can agree with me. You've played it. You like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm aboard the Berge train. I completely agree. Cards yeah. gas. Kark, Kark is 100% on it, too. A yeah. uh, local player. He's, he's, it's gas. Every time he's cast, it, he fucking dumps it us. Is Berge a good card? Yes. Both sides, I think, are pretty playable. Obviously, mm. the, the front side's better. Is it underpriced? Bro, Kaldheim fucking sucks. It's a standard <laughs> set that no one wants to fucking play. It's a random-ass legendary that doesn't see anything but competitive play because it's kind of dog shit for casuals. That card is cheap. It's in the dumpster for a reason. It's going to stay there for a fucking reason. It's never going to get seen. It played in Modern. It's never going to get played in Pioneer. It's never going to get fucked played in Legacy. It is a good card, and specifically storm CDH decks, which mm-hmm. means it's going to cost $2.75 for a foil in six years. It is a shit card. Do not pick it up.
3: Seven years, though, it's going to pass through. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're all about that long game. Yeah.
3: You, uh, be, I don't have any roasts for you,
2: man. Sorry. I think it's a good good pick for underplayed card. Yep. Underpriced card? Bad, bad. <laughs> bad pick. It's like Dan Dan, which is bad, bad. I think it's at least $7. Seven
0: that means dollars? it's underpriced. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> it's at least $7. All right.
3: I, I don't my see it. card. It's probably already been said before. So I, I think our roast is done then. I think yeah, the I think roast is done. concluded. Pretty, I, pretty pretty I have a roast. card finally picked out in my brain.
2: Okay, uh, Sam, time on the clock.
3: Collector. Ooh. I don't really need to say a whole lot about this uh it is a very strong uh stacks piece that uh, when when was the
1: last printing of it 2019 it just got a reprint in a secret Secret layer layer. but it's only been printed in modern horizons one
3: which was 2019 right or 2018 Mm -hmm. Uh, quite a while
1: ago but the card's been like seven bucks like this whole time uh for current reference the as low as is lightly played for 425
3: yeah so the card's four dollars And it literally hoses like every Turbo Naws deck for, you know, in certain situations, obviously, but like it turns off all rocks in CDH. Like it's probably, in my opinion, one of the most oppressive stacks pieces in the format as far as uh, hosing these. I don't give a shit what you're doing. I'm just here to go, 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 do my strategy, get it out of the way, win the game. It completely hoses these decks. And I think at $4. The card is highly undervalued. I have so many of this card because they're $4. <laughs> like, it's it's insane. The card should be at least 10 bucks, in my opinion.
2: You got 49 more seconds.
3: I, 49 more seconds? I don't need to say a whole lot more than can that. The card the- is
2: oof. gas and oof. $4. Oof. Who would like Collect to
1: open? I'll open.
2: That's a three minutes on okay. the
1: Okay, don't roast me on it being green. Not allowed. No. So, uh... Greener I color, mean, bro. Collector Oof is a good card, right? But when you look at Collector Oof's comparables, what makes you think that Collector Oof should be more expensive? Um, the only card that's really comparable that's expensive is Null Rod. And that's because Null Rod is... Oh,
2: Stoney's like five bucks.
1: Stony's $4 as well. Like, <laughs> like, Null Rod is on the reserve list, so yeah, that card's really overvalued. But this effect exists on a lot of cards, and they're not that expensive. I mean, Stony Silence is $4. Collector Oof is $4. What other type of... Shut mean, Green is a strong Whoa, whoa, bro. whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't
3: Did get to defend. For... All no, right. No, no, you can you. suck at it. Yeah, I got to remember all this shit, too.
0: So, um... you don't get a rebuttal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you made your sales pitch. Now it's time for all the right. cheek yeah. open.
1: So, I mean, I like Collector Oof. I think it's a really good card. I think it's priced, though, directly where it needs to be priced. I, I mean, I think
2: I'm the oofiest person here. I, I don't think anyone's got Yeah, good. every
1: time you walk in the room, I like, go, oof. <laughs> Straight up, bro. <laughs>
2: green Sun, Zenith. Oof. Oof. Finale. Oof. Chord. Oof. Eldritch Evolution. Well, you know, Flossus Oracle. But, oof, sometimes. Straight up, oof is a disgusting card. It is no rod. It's better than null rod. A, because green's the best color. BT dubs. Second, you can tutor that motherfucker out way easier. Is it overpriced True. or underpriced? Fuck no. I've been watching <laughs> oofs for literally years. And I was like, it's stuck at $30. And then... Years later, I was like thirty dollars and fifty cents, and I kept looking. and I was like, "Bro, this shit's never changing. I'm just gonna fuck them up." <laughs> and I bought one. And you know how much has gone up? It hasn't. It's thirty dollars and eighty cents. <laughs> <laughs> told you, Oof is a, people recognized immediately. Holy shit, this is a two-two null rod. Yeah. And then it just rocked at five dollars and hasn't fucking moved. Bro, it's a bear. It's a bear. It's a great card. I love Oof. I I think Oof should be played in every fucking green deck that isn't. I don't the, know, like mm, some Yolo decks. Debatable. Bro, I play Oof and Frog. You know how many times you guys, well, I don't know, win a lot, but goddammit, it <laughs> works when I play it.
0: I love it when you overpay for your tutors and then we're like, just get Oof. You're like, oh, I paid seven for this green sun zenith and I should have just gotten Yo, Oof you know, instead. Stares <laughs> people
2: sometimes are like, X equals six, and I'm like, what's he what getting he at getting? six? No, because everybody like, knows what you're getting anyways. You're getting Oof to shut off all the fucking treasure. Dude, not always, bro. wait, anyway, Oof your card, underpriced, absolutely not. <laughs>
0: I, I don't have anything to say. I think that it's not underpriced. Everything's $4. It's it's symmetrical.
2: I'll, I'll see y'all in two Move.
3: years when the card is $8. Bro, I'll see Bro, you all in right.
2: fucking four years when the card is $3 because it got reprinted again. <laughs> Sam just wants <laughs> to sell foil, his ooze at a higher price. Than he yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah right, maybe. Kian, maybe. You, you can shoot it or me. You can go, Kev. Ah, oh, I got a spicy one for you boys. Time on clock. <sighs> yeah? What is it? Dramatic pause. Thoughtlash. Oh, my God. Let me, Lash. so let me, let me, okay. The, why it's underpriced. Because I own card, 12 copies. I, for reference, <laughs> I own 14 copies. So, is the card super strong? No. I don't think it's super strong, but I think it is playable in specifically Falco and in uh, Elsha, right? The card has been, it it spiked previously to like $38, and then it went down in price because people realized it was kind of a false spec. However, I think that with time, more commanders with the, you may peek at the top card, you can cast the top card of your deck, right? They're going to get printed again. I see your fucking looks. Don't pick, oh, collector oof. I'm going spicy, bro. Don't give me your bitch looks. So, <laughs> Thought Lash is a one-card win condition in both Falco and in Elsha. It's a little pricey, don't get me wrong, but you're playing Bant, right? You're playing fucking Jeskai. Bad colors, unless you're in fucking Bird, Bird Jessica I think that one-card win conditions are super strong, even if they're expensive. I've played enough fucking Najila to know that when you have a one-card win condition with your commander, it's super good. And for those who don't know how it works, you play Thoughtlash, you exile, and every time you exile, you keep looking at the top card until you find... Uh, Thassa's Oracle, you cast the Thassa's Oracle off the top of your deck, and then you keep exiling and they can't respond to it. Then you have a Thassa's Oracle ETB with no library left over, bada boom, bada bing, you, you pretty good chance you win, right? So like, if it resolves, the interaction window is super, super narrow and very hard to deal with, because it's just fucking Thoracle, except you play a big dumb enchantment. Enchantments are hard to counter. You got Swan Song and like Force. And that's not a lot of answers. There's not a lot of things that hit it. Abrupt Decay doesn't hit it. Is it the strongest card? No. Is it objectively a reserve list card that is a one-card win condition with two current commanders that will get better as more of those commanders get printed? Yes, underpriced, hundred percent. It'll be a hundred bucks in two years. Time on clock, done. Um, yeah. All right. For
0: reference, it's fourteen dollars.
2: Yeah, and I think it's
0: overpriced. I think it is overpriced. As I well. think
1: the best part of Thoughtlash is the zero ability, <laughs> where you can pay zero and <laughs> prevent one damage that was dealt to you this turn. Like, honestly, like, cool. It's really good with Elsha, and it's really good with Falco. Guess what? Those decks win in way
0: better ways with yeah. way better cards. You're, you're in red for Breach. Why do you need this? It's also, it's
1: also you need to have six mana available to you, the turn you want to go off, because if you put Thoughtlash on the board, despite what you're saying, uh, there's a lot of enchantment removal in the game, specifically in white and specifically in green. So, like, a lot of those decks are playing that, especially with the prevalence of cards like Cathar Commando and things like that, like, as those cards get more popular... No one's going to let this thing stick around, you know, in time for that. Um, and I just don't think... I think it's too much mana. Six mana. You have to have four mana for the Thought Lash and two mana for the Thoracle. And you need to have your commander out. And it's really easily easily interrupted because you can just kill your commander. It's so reliant on that. And it's just... Uh, I mean, cool. If you can drop a Silence and a Thought Lash and win the game, by all means, sure. But Good job, bro. You earned it. Yeah, there's other <laughs> combos that can do the same thing. I think, like the appeal is that it's a reserve list card if it wasn't for that this card would be
3: pennies, yeah, be 50 pennies. Cents. Yeah.
1: yeah i mean you guys can go on if you have
3: anything else you want to add sam do you have anything um i mean so like adam adam kind of touched on it but like how how sure are you How how small is this window
1: how yeah. how how crazy to ask him a question Kevin. when he can't respond? Yeah, how dare you? Kevin, Kevin, there's a silence resolve. When
3: this comes out, I would like to hear about how small this window is for interaction because I there's several ways that you can interact with a card like this. So I would like to know that.
0: Yeah, so I would like to point. Hey, out. I'm I'm not done roasting you, buddy. Put the timer back. Oh, I get three more minutes. Skid it. Um, I don't have anything. No, I'm just, <laughs> like it. Like Adam touched on, it's 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 six mana, and like spell pierce hits it. There's multiple other counters to your point that that hit it. Um, Not any
1: non-creature counter. There's a lot more than just yeah. Four, four, and,
0: like any. And, and to actually win the game, you need four blue, and in four blue in in a deck that's that in C D H, you want compact win cons. Four of a specific pip is a lot, especially there's no blue ritual. Like you can't I can't just blue ritual. Um, thought lash will win yeah, like, i didn't they're, they're, think of that four blue four blue four blue to win yeah in the combo it's good in
1: yeah. mono blue i yeah. guess
0: like urza with reality chip thought lash might be pretty yeah. good in there and, and, but. And, and like i'll give you its niche and, and it can be used to some effect in like the correct deck but i don't like for 14 dollars. i think that that's a good price if not overpriced okay let's go right into kian and then let's end this episode okay so
1: Don't wait for him to put the time, just start.
0: For my card <laughs> that is criminally underpriced is Mnemonic Betrayal. I think Mnemonic Betrayal, is it's only $5 right now. So, um, alright. There's so many functions of, of this card. It's a win con, it's a backup. You can literally cheese people out by val- valuing out their pieces from their bin, like permanents. Um, you can win, you can do breach, lo- uh, breach loops and wheels to win the game, um, I don't know what else I need to say about this card. Like, it's good. I think that a lot of people don't really value it Value it highly. Um, it's good in collation. It's good in unison with, like, um, Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact because uh, you already run Praetor's Grasp. This is another backup spell. So if you exile your Praetor's Grasp or your Thass' Oracle, you still have an opportunity to win the game. So, yeah. That's all I got. Conceding time? it's yeah um do you want to go kevin three minutes Uh, boys
3: uh i'll go i i just agree with you i love that card you know i love that card. there are so many games where it's like all right my opponent just intuitioned and i have this mnemonic betrayal in my hand i'm totally going to use this in ether pile and another thing that i really like about the card is it pairs well with Every once in a while, especially in Blue Farm, you'll open up a hand that's got like a bunch of counter magic and a bunch of interaction. Not a whole lot of gas, but it's got a mnemonic betrayal, or you you draw into it, and so your counter spells kind of, kind of feed the mnemonic betrayal in the sense that if you're stopping a serious threat, guess what? When you cast that mnemonic betrayal, you get that threat. Chances are it's in a graveyard. Mm. So, being able to use your opponent's stuff that they want to see, especially when it's such a breach-heavy. Treasure-heavy, turbo Turbonaus-heavy, like, format. Like they're, they're Pretty much every pot of four, there's someone on Adnaus strategies, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all playing a lot of the same cards that you can also benefit from. They put them in their graveyard. Guess what? You get them. You got a wheel in your hand, and you got a Mnemonic Betrayal coming up, or you draw into it, or it's already in your hand. Wheel, Mnemonic Betrayal, like, it's gas, man. It I just compliments it- so many cards that are already in the format, in my opinion.
1: You guys are both wrong. This card is not underpriced whatsoever. The only argument for this card being underpriced is that it's only been printed in one set. Uh, You can call it a one-card win condition all you want, but no card is a win condition that relies on your opponents to assemble it for you. I don't think he's saying it's a one-card win condition. I think he's saying that it has multiple functions, and this
3: says that you can also hose somebody out of their I'll I'll split the
2: difference. I think that the blue farm players are right. I played it momentarily when I played uh, Tevish Bug. It's a good card. It's a solid card. It's a goofy Yogg-Maw's Will. Is it a playable card? Yeah, I think it's fucking good. I think it's a, it's a weird, different Yogg's Will. Is it underpriced? It's a Mythic. That's good on Kian's point. It's from an extremely popular and super open set. That's bad for his point. It is in a set with fucking Shocklands, which for some goddamn reason are like $27 a piece on some of the... the, like the you can print black.
3: them in like three years or I something. I know,
2: but my point is that set only has so much money in it, a lot of it's going to Shocks. Yes, it's a mythic, and, and to, to back the point up, I'm looking at a year back, right? On July 21, this shit was $22 foil, $4 regular. It is currently uh $15 foil, $4 regular. The fucking the non-foil is flatter than my ass, and the <laughs> foil is negative. It's not underpriced. It is priced. I, I think it is priced. And, 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 also, and it's prime like,
1: for some dumb reprint. I don't now. think it hoses your opponents. Like If you're not winning the turn you cast in Betrayal, they get all their cards back to their graveyard unless you cast it and keep it on board. So, I mean, it's not really hosing Time. your opponents.
2: Time's I, up. Roast over. It's not
0: what I said, but okay. Said you cast the permanence, not you cast well, the well, spells. buddy. Like you don't get to
2: justify nope, you? I am justifying I didn't get to <laughs> tell people that Elsha says non-creature, and no one looked it up. So you can't actually cast the oracle. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but I was going to say, though, because I was like, oh, actually, Elsha says uh, you can just cast the rocks on the top of your deck. But then I, I was like, non-creature. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, that
1: was fun. That was a cute little feeding the fish. Something a little bit different. So... Um, Anyways, I think that this was a good discussion and a good topic that isn't discussed enough in the community, um, specifically the financial literacy in CDH. Like we stated when we started this episode, again, we are not financial advisors and we don't give financial advice. We just share our own thoughts and strategies when it comes to spending money on this game. That being said, we are gonna link in the description of this episode channels that are focused purely on financial advice. So that way, if you want that type of resource and you came here to look for it and didn't get it, well, you can go check those guys out if you want that. Specifically, we're going to shout out people like Alpha Investments, Jake and Joel Magic, MTG Moxman, and others like them, because uh, those are the channels that will give you more of that information if you need it. But other than that, I think it's time that we move to the cleanup. Um, once again, thank you to our high-tier patrons, Usable Object, Cold Ramen, and Geo Justin, respectively. Your guys' support has been amazing, and it helps us to better improve the channel and the content that we make. If you'd also like to become a patron, our Patreon link will be in the description. You can follow us on Twitter so you can be updated with all the latest news, content, and videos that Sadnaws is putting out. We will also link that in the description below. Please join our Discord. We're almost to the 100-member mark on Discord, which is really, really cool for our little community. If you'd like to talk to us about recent episodes, learn about our decks, ask us for advice, or just talk about your day We'd love to hear it and love to have you there. That link will also be in the description. And finally, whether you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, leave a comment, drop us a review, or share us with your friends because it really helps with growing our channel and gives us the ability to work with new people and reach new audiences. And with that, I think we'll end this episode. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, Peace everyone.
2: everyone.